Hello, everyone, and welcome to Cinema Span. I am your host, Louis Illigas IV. Uh, joining me today, I have Samantha Georgette Reed from Archetype Productions, and I've also got Devin Beckwith, comedian improviser around LA. Um, thanks for joining me, guys. Thank you. Yeah, thanks for having us. Of course. Uh, today, we are tackling a big one, uh, two Stephen Sondheim movies, sort of. Uh, one of them is a movie <laughs> proper. The other is like a film concert stage, but still counts. Uh, I, I do. I do. Okay. De- Devin, <laughs> I, I, I see the wins. If you have looked up company online, you may notice it's a 2008 film. Oof. Uh, but... Okay, this production originally started in December of 2006, ran for most of 2007, uh, and was filmed in 2007. And I, I, I just, there, there probably wasn't a lot of editing here. They probably just waited a bit. Um, they were probably, Broadway. yeah, they were out of post by by the end That's of That's what I was going to say. Yeah. There's yeah. not much yeah. work to be done <laughs> on this. It's like, it, and it, it feels like it's a relic of 07 too, like, mm-hmm. like more specifically. Uh, especially because Sondheim, like, revivals really don't happen very yeah. often at all. Mm-hmm. Um, Except right now. Well, now we're yeah. in, like, a golden age. We're of in the sondheim insane that it, it took him dying for this yeah. to, to kind of happen. But I do think the Sweeney Todd production, that was just on Broadway, like, like Sondheim was in the rehearsal studio uh, with that at some point before he died. I think so. so. I, think I know he, he was like, for Into the, the Woods. He oh, like, maybe that's what I'm thinking of. He is, cast is the Into the Woods, but I think that there was also something with Sweeney as yeah. well. Which it's cool. I mean, those are they're, they're probably like his biggest shows, uh, Sweeney mm-hmm. Todd, and um, and and, and yeah, Company and Into the Woods, right? Yeah. Other than West Side Story and Gypsy, which are yeah yeah kind of half half. Uh, before yeah. we get into the movies proper, like, what are your guys? Uh, how did you like get into Sondheim at all? And and what's your relationship mm. with Whoa. him? I, I it's I feel like it's really there, I, I picked you two specifically. I, I should say we all went to the same high school. Yes. So mm-hmm. we were all theater kids, probably experiencing go gales. Probably experiencing Sondheim for the first time to you know, in, in that time. Mm-hmm. Um but yeah, I, I I don't know. It's just like it he's a titan in the musical theater industry, but it's not an industry that gets a lot of recognition, you know? Yeah. So my introduction to Sondheim was Into the Woods when I was nine, I think, what the revival was in 07, I believe. Uh, of, the 2002, Into oh, the 2002? Oh, 2002. Oh, so I would have been way younger. Uh, my aunt saw that revival and loved it, so she gave the CD to my mom, who was, like, really into musicals, like I now am, and she would listen to it in the car all the time. And I eventually grew to love listening to it in the car. So like, in a way, I almost grew up with Into the Woods. And then like, as I was like old enough to be able to like discover things on my own, I started like looking to like, oh, this Sondheim guy who did Into the Woods, he's done a lot of other really cool stuff. (laughs) (laughs) That's that's so funny because Into the Woods is maybe one of his most mature works, but it feels yeah. like it's so right for kids because it is fairy tales. Yeah, mm-hmm. and I think a lot of the lessons like resonate with me so much more because some of them I like learned the easy way from listening to it or didn't learn it and then learned it the hard way and then was like, fuck, I got to listen to that song, man. <laughs> <laughs> 
That's too good. Yeah, uh, Sammy and I were just in a production of Into the Woods. Yeah, um, we were. But yeah. We, Who'd we play, Lewis? We, we played... <laughs> I was about to mess it up. Uh, we played Cinderella and Cinderella's Prince, yeah. respectively. They made a cute couple. We were yeah, really adorable. Did. Yeah, pretty pretty great. We were great. Um, but it's a show that I also did in high school, um, mm-hmm. and it's just so interesting like revisiting it a full decade later because... It's it's just the type of, of show that, that does really keep growing, uh, you know, the, the more you mature as well. Uh, Sammy? Yeah, so my <laughs> Sondheim introduction was Into the Woods, Bishop Gorman. And I, cause I was like a, yeah, like I was saying, I was a musical theater kid, but it was very much like, I liked Wicked, I liked Wizard of Oz, you know, like shows that were very, very popular, um, like in the mainstream. Yeah, um, a very ballad heavy, like mm-hmm. um, emotional, like, like, uh, yeah, shows that, I mean, that's the beauty of Sondheim is like, they, they all feel like they're really detailed and nuanced takes yeah. on, mm-hmm. on, on human just behavior. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's not exactly a flashy thing when you're in high school. No. You're like, I want to be alphabet. Like, yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. 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 But then, um, I just started kind of my Sondheim introduction was I just started being in Sondheim things and like Sondheim numbers. Like uh, my senior year, we did my senior year of high school. We did um, like one of the, you remember the winter music extravaganzas? Of course. Yeah. So for those who didn't go to Bishop Gorman High School. Um, <laughs> this is a podcast for only Gale alumni. <laughs> this is a podcast for Dylan Westray. <laughs> Mo Moffat. And Dylan Arredondo. Yeah. <laughs> um, but so, yeah, when <laughs> when we were doing what musical winter music extravagant. Wow. Hang on. Winter music extravaganzas were like these uh, musical reviews with a bunch of different things from different musicals. And sometimes um, students would get to direct certain ones. And uh, William Riley. Do you guys remember of William course, Riley? Of yeah, he stage managed um, our fringe show in, in Vegas. Yeah. Did he really? Yeah, he he, did. He's a sweetheart. It was great. I love that. I love that man so much. Um, he did, he really wanted to do God That's Good from Sweeney Todd. Wow. And he came up to me and he was like, you're auditioning for mine, right? And I was like, oh yeah, I guess. Like, cause remember we would have those in-class auditions. Right, right. And I was super busy. It was my senior year. I was auditioning for a bunch of um, things and I had just gotten cast as Miss Dorothy and Thoroughly Modern Millie. And I was like, I don't, I don't know if I'm going to like, go for the solo will like I think I'm just gonna and he was like no 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 and I was like well it's a really hard song and he was like uh, please <laughs> and I was like <laughs> I was like okay <laughs> and I went up um and I did like that audition and then I got the Mrs. Lovett part in that and then I just kind of kept getting ca- put in like Sondheim things like I was in a Sondheim at Chapman they do directing scenes I was in one um Sondheim moment and then uh my beginning of my junior year my friend was casting company and he was like oh will you um will you audition and I was like I want to be Bobby and he was like we can't get the rights for the female Bobby keys and I was like I'll sing it in the male key and he was like will you please just audition for Amy and I was like (laughs) yes and then um yeah so then I got in that and then I got cast as Cinderella and into the woods and I've kind of just like accidented myself into being like a little Sondheim sweetheart over here which is so funny because he was never until recently he was not one of the composers that I would have said like is among my favorites but wow yeah like for a long time I was just like oh I don't know like Sondheim's good 
but mm-hmm. and then like throughout i feel like when i did company it was when i was like oh my god sondheim like speaks to a part of my brain yeah that i did not previously know existed Com- so that's my company sondheim. absolutely was like a deep one for me i i mean i i obsessively listened to into the woods because we were doing it the next year and i'm like okay i need to know everything here but i i think company frogs and like form all kind of just like mm-hmm. introduced me to like more sensibilities um from Sondheim, I, I, I mean, yeah, company we'll, we'll get to in the second half more, mm-hmm. more so, but like, it's just, he, he writes loneliness so well, like yeah. it's to, mm-hmm. on top of the, the expectations of, of being in a relationship. It's yeah. Yeah. Unreal stuff. Um, the into the woods <laughs> at Bishop Gorman was definitely my introduction to Sondheim. Um, I, I remember telling Devin that I wanted to get into musicals and I asked him to put together like a couple mix CDs for me, basically. Um, and so he made me a comedy like disc, a romance disc, and then just like a general Broadway disc. Okay. That is the cutest <laughs> shit I have ever Absolutely. heard. Yeah. So <laughs> adorable. <laughs> like, and, well, and me and Devin would listen to show tunes. Um, I, I would, I would drive him home from work and we or not work school. from school and we would, mm-hmm. we would always just listen to songs and dish out the parts, you know, like yeah, the you classic got style. Yeah. yeah. Yes. Yeah. Jersey boys was another one of our uh, obsessions. Uh, back then but yeah it just because it's four part you know yeah it's it's an easy one to be like all right i'll take the high notes on this yeah yeah Yeah, i was like who's gonna absolutely like like suck at the frankie valley part this time (laughs) but think they're nailing it yeah of course well um i will say on that that when I did the barbershop quartet at Gorman two years later we also did a lot of four seasons in the car but it was four of us so we actually could do the harmonies um, yeah, you did the the what Knights Rhythm used to be, right? Yes, like yes, the Nightingales. Yeah, acoustic. Yeah, that, that's yeah. awesome. So Sweeney Todd is uh th- this this movie adaptation is directed by Tim Burton um, and stars Johnny Depp and uh, Tim Burton's wife Helen Barnard Carter um, and it's kind of the the peak of Tim Burton and Johnny Depp's like mm-hmm. power together. Mm-hmm. This is coming right after charlie and the chocolate factory mm. um which is kind of like i think it's still well received enough um but this is before alice in wonderland where i feel like it just really gets away from them yeah um but it is interesting because uh I, I i was seeing that um tim burton wanted to make this like about 20 years earlier he had seen a london revival um, and it only ran for like a couple months, but he went like 12 times to go see it is the way Sondheim described it and told him like backstage there, like, I would love to make this. And, and Sondheim's like, great. Cool. Just never heard from him again. <laughs> you know, type deal. He was waiting. <laughs> yeah, yeah, seriously. But it's, it's, he it's was like, also, Johnny's not old enough yet. I mean, maybe. And that, that's, that is like the interesting thing here is like in one of the featurettes I saw his wife said like, he doesn't really love musicals, but this is the type of musical that like. A lot of people who don't like musicals love because yeah. it is um, it's the opposite of what you would imagine from a musical. Instead of bright and cheery numbers, you have these 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 songs about murder that mm-hmm, you know are filled mm-hmm. with minor chords and they're meant to scare you. You know, just just from like the the presence of it. Um, and and that that makes sense for Burton, but yeah, um, it's it's also not very heavy into the musical stuff. He cuts a lot of the songs. He cuts the, uh, the yeah. ballads. Like, um, he truly tries to make it like a movie adaptation and like dropping kind of a lot of the stage pretenses here. That makes so much sense. 
as somebody who has not listened to or seen the musical, oh. <laughs> but only watched the movie. Oh my God. I <laughs> that answers like maybe oh. half of my questions. Oh boy. Oh my god. Okay. I love that information. That's Thank insane. you for dropping that before we yeah. went into this. Insane. Um I I knew you 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 told me a couple days ago and I was like, okay, but I was like maybe he'll like get around to listening to one of the cast recordings. Well, <laughs> that is so it's, funny. It's partly true because of you. I don't know if you remember, mm. but maybe a couple of years ago you had found out that I had never listened to Sweeney Todd or anything. You were like, oh my gosh, you would love it. Like you especially would love it. And I was like, okay, I'll definitely listen to it. And you were like, no, <laughs> don't listen to it. Wait until a good production comes into town and watch that. Yeah, that and sounds, I was like, okay. That sounds like me. That does sound like you. Yeah. yeah. I, I'm like, I'm the guy who goes to see something in IMAX the opening weekend. I'm like, it's gotta be the perfect experience. Yeah. Like, yeah. 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 I'm just, terrible uh i'm sorry i, I led you astray Devin. <laughs> I, you should have been listening to this music yeah you should have this um the movie was my introduction to sweeney as well mm. i actually saw the movie for the first time in the bishop gorman high school girls dressing what? room wow yeah. like on a phone or so, like uh, on one of our ipads we propped it up oh it was during god. oh god what was it it had to have been during millie because there's a big act two break um, no, because no. Yeah. Yes. It was during thoroughly modern Millie. I had, um, listened to some of the songs obviously cause I had just done uh, God that's good and stuff like that. But other than that, I really knew nothing about Sweeney other than like the vague plot. And then I walk into the dressing room. It's my act two big break like moment. I have like 45 minutes off stage, um, because I've been kidnapped and um you're millie i'm dorothy or dorothy yeah so i'm i'm in a laundry cart (laughs) (laughs) i'm off stage for quite literally most of act two um which is my favorite way to do a show i love a good big break so nice there's nothing better than an act as being an actor than just not having to do anything like when you just sit backstage and watch and like i don't it's antithetical of what you would think like how many lines do i have all all of this Mm -hmm. but like yeah no, there's nothing better than a big princess break in act two. No. Um, but so I'm like, I'm I'm sitting back there and somebody's watching uh, Sweeney Todd and they're on like by the sea, I want to say, is the, is the part of the movie that they're at. And I'm like, oh, I'll sit down and watch it. And I was watching it. And then I almost missed my entrance because I was like, oh my right. God, this is so good. And then afterwards I was like, I got to go back and watch that whole thing. So I... Think- I you you went in at the right time though. Yeah, like I did. The, the back half of this movie is a lot better than the front half. Yeah. Um I it's it's half because of the stuff that is cut from the first half, mm-hmm. in my opinion. But also because Burton goes out of his way to desaturate the colors mm-hmm. and, and to like really make everything just sad at the beginning, <laughs> essentially. Yeah. And then as soon as Sweeney's you know, as soon as the blood starts flowing, Sweeney's passion comes out, right? Yeah. Like and and, and it's I mean, the blood spurting is insane. Like Burton doesn't have blood in any of his films like no. this. And it's, it's just fun. Like, yeah. Yeah. It, this is why he made the movie, you know, like for that, like that final kind of 30 minutes is, is what I imagine. Mm-hmm. Cause like that final scene of like, even, um, you know, like Sweeney or Sweeney holding his, his dead wife mm-hmm. while his throat is slit. Like, <gasps> spoilers. Just, spoilers. Oh, Jesus Christ. <laughs> I didn't finish it. Oh no. Kevin. <laughs> Um, this was also my first time seeing this film. I had been hesitant to see it 
because I uh, thought it was really bad. I like I I don't I I think I just had heard enough bad things or just kind of like oh Johnny Depp's not that great as Sweeney. I, I forget I forget what it was, but I had this stigma. I think I was just a, being a, a little elitist too, where. I was like, yeah, I I I I prefer the sixties, the sixty nine, you know, London cast or yeah. whatever. Like, yeah, I'm gonna say it. There's never been an adaptation of a musical into a movie that has just been good. Like, they've all been either. I I really firmly believe that they're all either like atrocious and yeah. they get like panned critically, or they're like, this has taken it into a new medium, like. And I feel like Sweeney didn't go far enough to take it into a new medium. So right. it got like shoved into the category of bad. I, I think you're right. And I think mm -hmm, a little yeah. undeservingly because I, I, like there are definitely yeah. good things about it. A bit so because people just don't know how to receive these types of projects mm -hmm. like, like you're saying. Because like usually, you know, this these are actually two really good examples because you either, you know, actually stage it, you build sets and you do it in a whole three dimensional way or you film it more or less like it's a play. Yeah. Um, like West Side Story, um, that, that the original West Side Story mm -hmm. is shot very much like a stage play. Yes. Mm -hmm. the, the sets are, are like huge and you can see the sound stages, like the, the corners of it. It's kind of like how the Oklahoma movies were, mm -hmm. um, stuff like that. But it's a uh, it, it, it you just feel the artifice the, the whole time while you're watching it, um, because that, that's what film does. It makes you, yeah. you know acutely aware of every detail. Um, but I, I do think like more movies should try to do something like this where they, they bridge the gap. They, they do yeah. something in between. Um, I will say, I think West Side Story, the Steven Spielberg remake that came out last year or two years ago is actually the best movie musical ever made. Like that, that gets my number one spot. I, I haven't seen it. No worries. If you haven't <laughs> seen it, it, it kind of came and went, you know, without a yeah. lot of fanfare, but um, he is like the first director. I feel that had enough, visual flair to match Sondheim's sonic flares mm -hmm. um, and, and like just really understanding the pace and, and how to build up hype and anticipation with the music. Um, yeah. I mean, I, and I do miss the ballads from this a bit. I yeah, think definitely it, it's tough. So I, apparently they, they were actually going to do something different for this. They had casted what were called gentlemen ghosts. And the idea was that they what? were going to be the victims of Sweeney. And they were like half doing this narration thing and then half, you know, just like, yeah, around like haunted. And it works so well because, I mean, in, in the original musical, there are all these great lines about ghosts. Like when Sweeney first sees the beggar woman, that's actually his wife mm -hmm. um, and, and like brushes her off he's like man there's there's ghosts in the street i can feel the chill of london yeah. <laughs> and like and then when he goes into mrs lovett's uh bakery for the first time like like she she's like oh you scared me a, a customer i thought, she was I a thought ghost. you were a ghost exactly it's um uh, yeah I, I thought i think that would have been so good they, they even had like christopher lee um yeah i was gonna ask who was cast it. It, yeah and and uh, apparently sondheim had written some new stuff for it too um, but it, it just what? never, never got shot. Sorry. Not me getting so excited no, about that, that I was like making out with the it, microphone. It's insane. You know, like I, I was, I was really like happy to hear that type of thing, but then bummed to hear it. It didn't happen. But also Johnny Depp, um, his daughter got sick during the production of this film. Oh, really? So they had to shut down production for a month. Oh, so wow. I, it, it's hard to say, 
you know, what that may have like stopped because, you know, he, he was in such high demand. I'm sure he had to go mm-hmm. film another movie because he was already scheduled. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, and those ballads, like, I think you need Sweeney there, even if he's not singing yeah. the actual, like, like big terms, you know? Um, I really want to know what your thoughts on the plot were as a person well, yeah, who yeah. has never. Yeah, I, I liked it. I thought it was good. <laughs> um, I thought, uh, I was confused at the end. Maybe it's just because, like, my screen wasn't good enough or whatever. But at the end, I didn't notice that the beggar woman was who his wife was. Yeah. That like, is confusing I saw yeah. he, in like, the sees, movie. Yeah. He it's sees, very clear in the stage play. I bet. I bet. Like, it would have to be. Yeah. It, uh, it's tough because the beggar woman, <clears throat> you know, in, in theater, you can double up on roles and people won't blink, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. Um, because they're like, oh, that's just the ensemble filling in another spot. His wife must not be in this that much. Um, but in, in this film, they, they have to hide her face because they're like, if you see her face and then we show the flashback and you see her face, like that's a scene over. after, it, the whole twist is gone. Yeah. yeah, it's a lot more palpable in the like in a stage version of it because you can like, you look at her face like just fully. Like you just see the woman yeah. and then you see the woman playing another role. And like you said, you assume it's the ensemble. And then it's like, at the end when the reveal happens, it's you're like going back and putting through, putting all the pieces together. Right. In a way that it just like doesn't hit. In it's the also movie. so yeah. tough because um, again, of the music that's cut. I mean, the, yeah. the thing that Sondheim does maybe better than anyone else is he creates motifs and these motifs are inherently linked with the character's emotions. So mm-hmm. when you hear a musical idea come do, back, do, you are do, in their do, head do. With, as far as like the, the, the emotions go. Um, and that's what makes it even stronger on the songs where like he starts layering in multiple voices on top of each other. Cause yeah. you, you hear the conflicting emotions and, and feelings. It's, it's so good, but it's, um, you know, like like most of the bigger woman's stuff is cut here. He he cuts the um, she she has this she whole, has songs. She has yeah, she, she has, has a, so many so songs. Many songs. Um, is City on Fire in the movie? Sorry, I was it's listening a, to the a, soundtrack. It's like a truncated version of it. Okay, because um, I was listening to the soundtrack on the drive up here, yeah. and uh, or I was listening to the cast recording on the sound up or right. er, on the drive up here, and I had just watched the movie like a couple days ago, and I was like, I don't remember what's happening where. Yeah, she. I think she sings it. Um, like like in the in the stage play, it's more of a again a motif that that goes throughout the the whole play. She has the, this the whole bit in the fire. Joanna Quartet that I feel like doesn't happen in the movie, right? I don't think there's a Joanna Quartet in the movie. I I right. Um, I don't. There might I, be I a think, duet. No, 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 there, there is. I, they, they actually do a little bit of it. But it's um, like, it's this beautiful, like five and a half minute song that's like Sweeney, uh, like, and if I never see you, you again, uh, and then like. Uh, yeah, it's after the judge has left and he's like, I'll, I'll never see Joanna again. Mm, so he's, it's, it's post like, I'm just going to kill everyone. Yeah, yeah. But, but it's, it's a sad contemplative song. It's, you know. And they did kind of turn it in the movie into like a villain moment for him where he was like, and I'll never. And it's like very much like, I yeah. love the way it's done in the, I'm forgetting which recording I'm thinking of, but there's a. The one with Patti LuPone. 
No, like the actually, the Angela Lansbury, the original one, yeah. he goes, he's like very soft and he's like, and I'll never see Joanna. And it like, gets like very soft and intense and it's more of like a contemplative moment. And I feel like that kind of gets fucked with in the movie. And, and he has, he does have a lot of that back and forth for sure. Like, yeah. um, it, going into the, 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 the one scene where Sweeney just fully has the mental break and it's like, I'll kill anyone. Mm-hmm. It's, it is that, um. It, it, it's and I'll never see Joanna finish. You there? You there? Yeah. You know, come into the chair, sir. Like he just he it, it's it, the whiplash is, mm-hmm. is palpable for yeah. sure. But I don't think Johnny Depp plays the 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 you know the sad part. Like he doesn't well, play like you know? the softness. He just, he just plays it like like dead inside. Yes. Yeah. You know? So that's my biggest beef with his portrayal of Sweeney is that Sweeney is when you watch the stage show inherently a little bit likable. You're like, why the fuck do I like this guy who's literally a homicidal maniac? Mm -hmm. But like, because he, you see his sadness and you see like, he goes through a whole range of emotions and like, um, honestly, like when he's doing the songs with Mrs. Lovett, like you see more, I feel like that Sweeney's like into her, not into her per se, but like that he has like a genuine bond with her. You see the playful side of him too. Yes. And that so is just like gone from the movie in such a weird way. Like, uh, by the sea, how he like stares straight ahead and is dead eyed on one hand. I'm like, that's funny as fuck. Yeah. Yeah. But on the other hand, I'm like, I don't know. I just feel like you miss some of the liking of Sweeney. Like you're watching a villain more than you're watching an anti-hero. It is interesting because there's definitely productions where Lovett is carrying all the weight. Oh, certainly. Like, like, uh, mm. what, what's the version with, uh, I can't, it's, I, I can't even think of it. It's, uh, it's a, it's a concert version, but, um, essentially the, the one where Neil Patrick Harris is, what's his name? Toby. Toby. No, no, it's not that one. No. Cause that's the one. That that's just the the revival. That's the revival. Yeah. But there's a concert version of it that's bootlegged on YouTube. That was the second version of Sweeney that I ever watched. Interesting. Yeah. Um. Yeah. It was. Uh. Anyways, the, what I was just getting to is that the Sweeney was playing it very operatically because it you know they had the New York Philharmonic behind them and you know it's it very into the music of it all, which is fine. But like, there's just so much lost there in the acting, and, and you're like. It, yeah, Love It was just the only interesting part of that production at, at, at that level. Yeah. And it was an interesting contrast. I'm like, you know, Depp's doing more than that, but he's not doing exactly that. Because yeah. he, he had never sung before this. He took, uh, like, vocal lessons. I think he's a little apprehensive to even singing. And you can kind of tell. tell. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like, he's a little embarrassed in some of the songs. Um, and another he interesting is embarrassed. thing is that they did all the vocal recordings before Oh. And usually you would sing on set and yeah. then go remaster it later. So they had, they had to make all their acting choices like before they had even seen the I sets, the costumes, oh. like anything like that. And it's like, it's a, yeah, I, I don't know. Especially for like non-singers, like that feels like a really tough environment to come out on top of. Yeah, because all of a sudden you're lip syncing. Right. Like that's where your focus is. That's where it has to be. If, you, if you've recorded the audio first and you're not like a live performer, not that they're not live performers, but you know, like in a concert sense, you don't know how to lip sync. And then all of a sudden you're stuck with this stupid ass fucking like track of you that you made six, eight months ago. And yeah. you're like, I don't know what I'm doing. I don't know what I'm saying right now. Do my lips match? I hate nothing more than lip syncing. Yeah, it's it's rough. It's That's the thing though, is like, I don't like the trend of singing on set that was started by 
the Les Mis movie. <gasps> you and don't? Cats because, well, it's just really, really bad. Yeah. Because <laughs> <laughs> usually the actors are taking the music and, and making acting choices that go against the actual musicality and, and they're undercutting their own songs. It's, a, it's almost like there's too much. They're um, trying to acting. do it different. Right. And, and you know, you need a little bit of that, but but not too much. It's yeah. it's tough. You got to know the rules and you got to know when to break them. That's like like comedy, acting, any of that. Yeah. And it's not like you can have a live band on set while they're doing Sometimes it. Sometimes you can. Well, you it's can. usually Lame in their ear. Yeah. They, they have someone, they have like them somewhere else and they're feeding it in. So right. But they, you still have like that. It's, it's still not the same. Not there. Right? You're not yeah, in yeah. the space. Yeah. yeah. I will say, um, one time I did a, during COVID, I did a filmed version of a musical and with like my college. Um, and I had to do this like 10 minute monologue. It was the longest monologue I've ever had to do. And they were like, oh, we're gonna record the audio live. And I was like, okay, awesome, great, great, great. And then they hit me back a week later and said the audio didn't come out and you have to ADR the entirety of that monologue. And I will tell you guys, it is, <laughs> yeah, it is 12 minutes long and not knowing that you're going to ADR something before you do it means that you might do stuff where you're like one of my, I'm like looking out the window for part of it. And I'm like watching people on the street and I go, she's going to run right into that guy. And like, I did not make my mouth clear and I did not like make my enunciation good. So I had to do like that's like why I remember that part because I was like, she's going to run right out of that guy. And I had to do that in that like exact rhythm and that like same pitch to match it like 40 times. I was just like, she's going to run right into that guy. And they were like, not quite do it again. And I was like, she's going to run right into the guy. And they were like, oh, closer. And I was like, she's run right into the guy. and they were like, almost there. <laughs> I swear to God, you guys, I spent an entire day in the ADR booth for this filmed fucking musical for this 12 minute monologue where I'm just talking straight. Like I'm just talking. It's just me and no silence because the way they directed it was just like, keep going. You're neurotic. You're crazy. Keep going because they'd seen me in company and, uh. <laughs> <laughs> um, and they were like, certainly she can do this. And so it was just this long ass monologue. So I will say I would prefer capturing audio on set to having to do it after the fact, not knowing yeah. that you're not capturing the audio. That's insane. <laughs> yeah, that's a, that's a little nightmare. Okay, uh, so just going over the plot real quick uh, for anyone that maybe didn't watch, doesn't know. Uh, you know, Sweeney Todd. Okay, well, this let's say this. Uh, originally, Sweeney Todd was based on a Penny Dreadful mm-hmm. uh, written in the 1850s, and he was just a full sociopath. Like, just born a killer, gonna kill yep. forever. Really no more nuance beyond that. Uh, there was a, a, a play in like uh, that Sondheim had actually seen uh, a few years before writing this, that gave Sweeney a backstory. And uh, he kind of basically a- adapted that version of Sweeney. And uh, the backstory goes that Sweeney had a loving family, and then Judge Turpin and Beetle Banford, basically they're... The, uh, a Beetle is a, a, a church, like, official. Uh, like a, He's like the law for the, the church, law right? law for the church, essentially. Mm. Um, and so it's like the, you know... It's church and state, you know, basically conniving together. They they send Sweeney away to, like, Australia into, like, one of their jails for life. Um, and then they, they basically try to take his wife for themselves. And she's, like, resisting them for all this time. Uh, eventually they, uh, they, they, 
<clears throat> eventually they get the wife, they trick the wife into coming to a party yeah. uh, at the house. It's like a masquerade. And Judge she goes Turpin, to like plead for Sweeney's freedom. That's it. That's it. Yeah. yeah. And, and, and the judge rapes her like in the middle of a masquerade party. And drugs her question um, mark? I think so. It, it, it's it, implied. Yeah, it's tough. Um, and then after that, it's 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 like she poisons herself or something, mm-hmm. and like then she's like basically a vegetable for a couple months, and then she just becomes this like beggar woman in this like weird mental state. Um, Sweeney basically comes back, and he has no idea what's happened since he's been gone. Um, yeah, the ju- the judge takes his daughter and raises him as, as her as his own. Um, and yeah, Sweeney's just basically coming um, back to his old like digs and just trying to figure out like what happened. Uh, Mrs. Levitt kind of leads him astray, like lies about what totally lies because Mm. she literally knows everything. She knows that the beggar woman is Sweeney's wife. She knows that Sweeney, she knows who he is immediately. Mm -hmm. And then she knows that he's come back to look for the wife. And she's like, I always thought you were kind of sexy. I'm not going to tell you that your wife is standing right outside. She's dead. And that's just like, it's it's so good though, like the like even in the writing of the songs, like there's a barber and his wife and she was beautiful. That's like how Sweeney puts it. And then when Miss Lovett is retelling it, there's a barber and his wife and he was beautiful. Yeah. And it's just like when you first hear it, you probably don't put together that she's crushing on him. Because mm-hmm. you're just like, Oh, it's a musical reprieve. But every musical idea like has a meaning in this. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Which is the beauty of song time. Absolutely. Love that man. Well, and it's like uh, in this this book I've got here. Um, <laughs> look, I made a hat. Um, it's his annotated lyrics um, for all of his songs. Wait, uh, can I borrow that? Yeah, there's two um, two editions. Look, I made a hat and finishing the hat. You actually have. I had finishing the hat. The hat. Damn yeah. it, man! I always, mix them, I always mix them. I always mix them up. <laughs> so sad. So sad. I don't know what book this is, dude. I should have held it upside down. Yeah. <laughs> Um, but Sondheim has a couple um, principles for writing um, that he outlines in here. Less is more. God is in the details. Content dictates form. Um, which is always really interesting because, like, in the ballad here at the beginning, um, all the rhyming is is done around the word Sweeney Todd because there's not really a lot you can rhyme with Sweeney itself. Mm-hmm. So he, he kind of, like, will, will front load Sweeney and then, offload the rhyme to the second half or vice versa. Yeah. Um, and it's, it's just really interesting to see the way like he goes about writing a song just about, okay, it's a mathematical equation of like, what can I rhyme with what else yeah. is going on here? Um, it, it's, it's pretty, it's pretty good stuff. But, um, and even like less is more is like so key to everything here. Cause it, it's, it's why he can use one motif so many times and it just gains all this meaning through context. Um, it's, it's, it's also why I think like, like company on the other end is so accessible because like it talks about relationships, but it talks about it in such a broad manner mm-hmm. that it can feel applicable to any one person that's viewing it. Um, yeah, it's good stuff. Uh, and it's, it's just a bit of that nuance that you, you miss <laughs> when, when it's cut out. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, the, there's like another cut stuff. Most of the cut stuff in the first act really has to do with Joanna, and and um, which doesn't then serve when all of a sudden his like sole focus is Joanna, yeah. and he's like, "Fuck." And, and the way they had phrased it, at least in the featurettes I watched, was like they were trying to hone in only on Sweeney's story and kind of like 
taking out the the side characters and you know the ensemble of London, if you will. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, Joanna is so important to Sweeney, like intrinsically. I, I don't know why you, yeah. you get rid of it. Like, and I think the passion of of the young love is kind of what pushes you through the first act, like like yes. pretty well. And it's not present in the movie. No, I mean, yeah, I would have loved to have seen that the whole time. Like when he went to Bedlam to -hmm. grab her, I was like, I think she's going to be thrilled. Like, (laughs) No, for real. Like, I think she wants to go. She'll be happy to be out. Yeah. Yeah. But I don't know if she wants to run away with him. Well, and even in the stage play, that's, that's a question, you know, is like, is, is Joanna really in love with him? Is this just like a, this is her one way out. It, It feels genuine enough. It just also feels like young love, like, you haven't, she hasn't been appreciated by someone her age before. Yeah. And mm-hmm. and so she's kind of leaping at that, um, especially compared to the judge who's yeah. trying to force himself on her. Yeah. Just like, yeah, terrible. I will say j- movie Judge Turpin is one of my favorite, like, so good versions of like just what they choose to keep for his character and what they like kind of let go of. I yeah. honestly think serves because the judge in the stage version, I feel like can get a little long. It can get a little wordy. Definitely. Sometimes I'm like, okay, I get it. I get it. Like your motive has been made clear. You want to fuck Joanna beginning and end. Like you don't yeah. need to spend 8 million songs about it. And so I feel like not 8 million, but you know, I feel like sometimes, um, although I think that a lot of the stuff that was cut in the movie was unfortunate that it got cut. I do think that the judge's character specifically honestly works better in the movie for me. Yeah. yeah I mean, you also have Alan Rickman yeah. in here. Yeah. It's impossible. It's just for... going to give like a stellar. Mm-hmm. Talk about less is more. Right. Too. Like with yeah. anything he does, it's just going to be so just like, Hold back in a beautiful way, mm-hmm. which I wonder if that's why that worked so well is because of Alan. Yeah, it's it, totally. It's a good cast. Like outside, oh, it's a outside solid. Mm-hmm. like I, I really feel like the leads are the only like place you could, you know, kind of get iffy with. Yeah, but they even do pretty good for for this version. I think it's interesting because this doesn't feel like the definitive Sweeney Todd movie. It kind of just feels like. Like from the mind of Tim Burton. Yes. So it's like Mm. you can kind of, I feel like we could still have a Sweeney adaptation in 10 years. I completely agree. You know, like. I hope we do. I hope we do actually sooner than that because I want to see Josh Groban and Annalie Ashford play it for the screen. Yo, I mean, I I listened to a couple of the songs um, from that new recording and it's, it's really great. Yeah. Yeah. Groban's good. She, Annalie Ashford, I would die for her. I would. (laughs) Oh yeah, <laughs> I just love her and everything she's ever done. What, what else she? Uh... Uh, she was in Sunday in the Park with George. Nice. Um, she was. Oh, she was in Legally Blonde. She was one of the um the. Oh my God, Al! Those yeah. girls. Mm. She's one of the Greek chorus. And then why can't I think of the Sylvia? Sylvia is Pants. about. It's about a dog, but the dog is played by a human woman. So it's kind of like Wilfred, like the show. (laughs) Yeah, That's so fun. It's literally just about a dog and the couple that adopts her. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Comedy or drama? Comedy. Fun. And she was so good in it. I watched, um, I did not watch bootleg because that's illegal. Um, Yeah. Yeah, of course. You you watched a slime tutorial. Yeah, I did. I watched a slime (laughs) tutorial. Um, Yeah, I'm like a... I was going to say Sasha Baron Cohen as Pierre mm. is like a revelation. Incredible. Like, yeah. I mean, it's, 
it's already like a really funny role if you do it right. But I feel like there's a lot of productions where, I don't know, it's just a weirdo and not exactly someone bringing the comedy. Mm. But he brings like the sliminess. This was the next thing he did after Bo Rat. Which is no insane. Way. No, it wasn't. It was. It really? I kid you not. Like, wow. they, like the movie had come out and they were and they cast him in this. Like he asked to be in it. My main takeaway from that was immediately when he was on screen, I just thought of Adam Sandler as Opera Man. <gasps> oh my god! <laughs> it was like dead on. Oh my god! Why is that yeah. so real? <laughs> it's like I, I, I would not be shocked if like. Borat was like, or if Sasha was like, if Borat, all right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow. That would have been such a good pull too. Like, cause he, the Sandman could have done it. I looked up and I, I didn't look, go deeper into it, but I looked up to see if anybody else had like pulled that, you mm-hmm. know, and like put it online be like, oh my God, these two. And I, I looked up like Opera Man, Sweeney Todd, something like that. And I did, there were some like articles that came up that didn't have Adam Sandler crossed out and were about the Sweeney Todd movie. Yeah, it's, so, it's, it's a problem because this is the most operatic of all Sondheim's productions, so maybe it, it, it was like, yeah, we got opera, but right, we don't right. have man. We don't have man. Like, That's yeah. possible. Yeah. But it was like, there, there was like, I saw like Adam Sandler in there, so there might have been... Something. Some I don't know. might not be alone. I will dive deeper no tonight. One is alone. <laughs> it, it would be incredible if that was like a secret movie history for this, where like he was the alternate casting, but he he turned it down because that that's what oh happened God. in Glorious Bastards. He was supposed to play the Bear Jew, who's like the guy. It, it's played by Eli Roth in the film, but he's he's got like a big baseball bat and he just smacks a dude in the head. But huh. it just would have been really funny, uh, you know. Like they they hype him up for like five minutes before you see him, and then Sand, Sandler walks out. You know that that would have killed. Yeah, yeah, that would have been great. Sandler with that, with that, like the French the mustache. mustache. Oh I know, yeah. I know. But once, once Don't you got into like him face. doing other stuff, like what? Cause he's a character playing a character, right? When he's right. doing the Italian right. guy. And so when he's just the normal character, I'm like, oh, okay. That's why they gave it to Sasha instead of, <laughs> instead of yeah. the Sandman, you know? I think it's why Sasha works so well though. Cause, mm-hmm. cause he, uh, it, it, it's, it's what works so well though, because like Sasha is, such a plain normal dude. Like you, yeah. you would never assume it because of the characters he, he always has. But um, yeah, I, I, it's interesting though. This probably got him the role for Les Mis. Um, oh, certainly. Like, like right after. Certainly. Right? Yes. He, he, he's a, what's the master of the house guy. And uh, uh, Les Tenardier. Yes. Tenardier. Yeah. And, yeah. And doesn't Helena come back too for that yeah. as his wife? Yeah. Yeah. yeah it's just yeah, master insane great pull. Yes. Um, we, did, we did that uh, in Gales. We did. We actually spring spectacular. Yeah, what, one of my directing numbers was was Master of the House. Stop. The, the other one was You Can Drive a Person Crazy. <gasps> you can drive a person crazy. crazy. Wait, I remember that. I remember that. Yeah. I remember watching that, but I don't remember Master of the House. Oh, I also would like to say, I didn't bring this up earlier. When we did God That's Good, we had to cut all the killing people stuff. What? No. <laughs> <laughs> How? Wait. <laughs> How'd you even do you it? Guys, it was just a number about pie. <laughs> so I was like so happy because I was like the main character of that song. Like there was nobody else because we literally didn't have a Sweeney. Because Sweeney's only bit in that is, excuse me, psst, DSC to the customers. And so I will say though, 
we rehearsed it for like a week with that. And, and August, do you guys remember August Ricardo? I do. August was cast to play after your time. August was cast to play Sweeney. And then Ferrante cut it <laughs> like after we had already started with that, which was the most insane shit because I felt so bad. But also I was like, great. So now I don't have to do that. It's gorgeous. It's gorgeous. And I just get to do like my nice to see you, dearie. Like I just get to do my shit. And so that's yes. Sidebar, but. We cut all the killing people stuff when we did the Sweeney Todd That's song. That's so fun. There was That's... no, there was no, um, like the, none of that. I, I want to know what the, like, cause the Into the Woods Jr. is one of my favorite, like, kid versions of a show. Cause they just cut off the second half entirely. Yeah. And, and like, but if you attempted to make this PG, oh, you know, Sweeney? Like, like, yeah, like, well, like it's, it's, it would be, God, impossible. that's good. Just the pie part. Yeah. Well, and Joanna. Uh, yeah, m- maybe maybe Greenfinch and it would Lambert. go attend the tale of Sweeney Todd, and then that's it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what happened next? Well, that's the play, and and it's it's done now. Yeah. Like, actually, there's nothing next. Um, you could do Pirelli's number to shave all the face. You mm. could do mm. what else could you do in PG Sweeney? Uh, you could do by the sea, but you couldn't do all of by the sea because she no. says my rumpled bed sheets made legitimate or whatever she says. I forget the exact phrasing. So she does talk about, yeah, can we, like the fact that it is canon confirmed that Sweeney and Lovett are fucking. It, is it? it is she that, is says, that, so it's in the lyrics? There's a lyric of um, By the Sea where she talks about, it's at the end, she's talking about getting married. And then she goes, my rumpled bedding legitimized. That's what the line is. She mm. goes, my rumpled bedding legitimized. And no one talks about it, but she is at least insinuating that they are sleeping together or they have because she's saying that she wants to get married so that she can be legitimized for her like sheets. Yeah. But also like, I don't know, is that even like part of the fantasy? It like, could be. like, it like could the, be. those words like becoming real. Mm-hmm. Um, Cause like, I, I do wonder, it's like so much of this I personally is think they were. like Sweeney using Mrs. Lovett um in some ways but also mm-hmm. like her using him like he doesn't know really what's going on i feel like no. he's all reactionary mm-hmm. yeah um mm-hmm. but but also I, I, it's it's hard for me to buy the love on on the hurry because he feels so hollow inside. i don't think that they are into each other well i think she's into him oh, yeah. and oh. i think she probably came on to him and he was like Ugh. Yeah, you know yeah. she's around or she's around. a guy he's or, a guy oh. i think i think he is getting i i think he gets a, a rise out of the killing yeah. And when she becomes mm. a part of it, like, I think there might that's be some the sexual there. Is yeah. like, you're like, that's we, we can yeah. have fun here together. Like if you, if yeah. you keep playing on this rule yeah. book, Sweeney's into that kind of shit. Yeah. For <laughs> sure. They're like in bed. He's like pulling out his razor. She's like, yeah, I did. When he first pulled out the razor in the movie, I totally thought he was going to like make out with it. He's just like staring it. And I I really liked that. It's a love song. It was like, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, well, it's such a great one because he's, he's singing to the blade and Mrs. Lovett is singing to to Todd. That to me is like such a, honestly like heart wrenching line when she goes, I'm your friend too, Mr. Todd. It's like, damn, you really are being replaced by this piece of metal. She's down bad. Yeah. And at, at the end of the song too, isn't he like 
get out. I yeah. need to be alone <laughs> with this thing. <laughs> no, yeah. for real. You know, there, there's a there's an interesting one. So uh, he says in, in the in the movie here, he says my arm is complete again. Um, like when he holds the blade, yeah, up. very Edward Scissorhands vibes yeah. I got from that. That's interesting. From yeah, that, that's with that, with Johnny, that line, Johnny with a blade at the end of yeah. his hand, yeah. saying my yeah. arm is complete now. Yeah, yeah. That's great. Um, but the the line is my right arm is complete again. Um, mm. They changed it in the original because Lon Chaney was left handed, and he he held the the, the razor in his left hand. Um, but it's really interesting that they. That I don't know, maybe you know, t- uh, Tim Burton had also just seen the original or had that in his huh. head, but um, it's like feel, feels like a little flub that you're like, oh, someone should have picked up on that because it's it's again, it's worth where play, was the dramaturg? Right yeah, where's the dramaturg? Mm-hmm. Uh, me every time I watch a movie musical, where is the dramaturg? <laughs> Straight up, well, Son, I mean, Sondheim was like on set, yeah, I mean, he he had casting approval for Mrs. Lovett, he has casting or he did when he was alive, I think yeah. he had casting approval for every single. Yeah, he should. Like, major revival of his stuff. Because I know he was in the casting room for End of the Woods. Like, the most recent ones. Yeah. Yeah. Like, you just need it. Have you ever seen the videos of um, Sondheim working with actors? Yeah. I mean, those are just insane. Insane. Yeah. I think you can see him on the Six by Sondheim documentary, and then the other ones are just on YouTube, kind of hanging around. Um, But, yeah, he just... He like and I mean let me let me pull another like like uh the company original cast recording like, yeah. He, oh, yeah talks to the actors in that yeah. is insane like yeah yeah he he's he's a better director than probably a lot of the, the directors mm-hmm. who have actually like oh yeah staged a lot of his stuff yeah yeah uh Hal Prince besides <laughs> you know um yeah okay anyway so what else what else we got here um I mean like so. I, I was going to say one of my favorite songs that's cut here is the full version of kiss me and ladies and their sensitivities. Um, it's this, it's, it's this uh, back and forth. Um, man, how, how would it, how would you even describe it? You, you, you know the song I'm talking about? Yeah. Um, it was fully cut. It's, it's, it's well, the, the first half's fully cut. So the refrain is cut from ladies and their sensitivities. Oh, I but see, it, yeah. It's one of those layering parts where essentially um, Joanne's out of the house and in the, in the or sorry, um, what, what's his, what's, I, I cannot Nick. think of his name. Nick? 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 Is that the, yeah. The Sailor? The Sailor. Uh, played by Jamie Campbell Bauer in his feature film debut. And then he yeah. went on to be in Twilight. Yep. And then he went on after Twilight to be in The Mortal Instruments, got ripped a new one and like disappeared for a couple of years. He's good though. He is. I think, I think he's really good as Nick. He is. Um, it is Nick, right? I right, let's go with him. Uh, you want me to we, Google? We can, we can ADR this later. I, my phone is not, my phone's recording me, so I can't check. I'm looking, I'm looking. Oh wait, I can just check the, my, my lyrics. I feel you. It's Anthony. It's Anthony. Why did I think it was Nick? Joe. Okay. Oh, and for those who weren't familiar with any of the semi-niche references I made, um, if you're not a twihard, um, he was also Vecna in the recent season of Stranger Things. That's what else. Well, yeah, that's yeah, what yeah. Jamie Campbell that's Bauer his, is doing yeah. right now. That's his like biggest. Yeah, probably thank you. Yeah. Um, so the, the the song that I I love that is cut is basically Anthony is in Joanna's room hanging out with her and they're planning her escape while mm. the judge and Beetle are going to Sweeney's. 
like like shop. Yeah. And and it's it, it makes perfect sense to layer both of these songs on because you know you, you can see the the play the the events happening at the same time. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a it's a purely theater convention though. Yeah. Like I, it, 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 could, would it wouldn't a bit have worked harder to, to do. But you want to split screen it? <laughs> I, dude, I mean, Ugh. Brian De Palma would have done it. Uh, that way. He would have gotten away. Yeah, with it. yeah that's true. That's true. That's true. Uh, but um, yeah, it, there's there's just it's my favorite musical moment of of the show, which is where Joanna goes, "I don't even know your name," and then the the other guys are got, are are just singing about Sweeney Todd, and they go Todd Todd, and then he goes Anthony, and she and another Todd, and then yeah. she's like Anthony, and like she freaks out. And like it, it's just it's a full culmination of all the musical ideas, and then it yeah. just blows up again. And they they all go back into the refrains. It's it's so good. it's chilling. Like, like it's that's so incredible. Good. Yeah. yeah. Um, I will say though, my favorite musical moment is um, uh, it is not actually my favorite musical moment from the show, <laughs> but it is I think one of the funniest because I love Sondheim does this thing where he'll just do like nonsense lyrics for the ensemble. Oh yeah, yeah. That yeah. are just like words selected from throughout the rest of the song. He does this a lot, but it's specifically in God That's Good, it's so funny because they go, God, that's good. That is D. Have you licious ever tasted smell such? Oh, what more? That's pie's good. <laughs> It makes so much sense though. Like it's, it's like almost like it's encoded. Yes. And like the decoding of it is the other melodies that it's being paired with. Exactly. I love that. No, it's so good. And learning that for the, um, like when I, when we did God, that's good. Um, I, that will always be burned into my brain because everybody was like, this is so stupid. And I was like, shut up. You're like it's the, the it's about the effect <laughs> like when it all comes like together. They like, yeah. are so into the food they can't talk right. Like that's how much they like eating people. <laughs> also, though, like Sondheim uses voices as instruments. Yes, like, which that, I that, love. That's a huge part of his like, uh, uh, yeah, his ethos. But yeah, like, write me as a violin, Steve. Yep. <laughs> well, I mean that's why. Uh, like I love the frogs so much is because yeah, the, 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 all the frog noises are just yeah. fully the, the ensemble. It's so fun. It's really well done too, guys. Come yeah. on. Everybody check out the frogs. Watch we the beg frogs. You. Listen to the frogs. Watch the frogs. It's, if you can watch, it's frogs. watchable. Yeah. Right. Or do you think that's, yeah, there's a rip. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it's, it's like, illegally it's like, it's watchable, but it's watchable. Quarter. Like it was a 2002 production, I think. Yeah. So, and, does that, does the rip that you're aware of have Chris Kattan or does it have, uh, what's his, I'm blanking on his name, the the guy who plays. I think it has Chris Kattan because it's a preview. Okay, that's what I thought. It's a preview yeah. rip. Yeah. Before it, it became Roger Bard. Roger Bard, yeah. yes. But still, yeah, Nathan Lane. Oh, man. Okay, I might have to watch this. The, the, fro- the, the Frogs is like really good but really bad. Have you um, heard? I've I've heard some of the songs, but I've never watched. So it was originally staged in the Juilliard swimming pool. Um, oh wait, and I, it, I and didn't. It had I've Meryl heard. Streep in the cast in the ensemble. Like it's just a, it's a crazy thing that happened. That's insane. As well as um, a few other like big names. Yeah, I, too. like big Broadway names for sure. Um, but it was like a one act musical, and then Nathan Lane asked mm-hmm. um, Sondheim to write more lyric or more songs for it. Because this was post form, so I feel like it, they they had like a working relationship. Mm-hmm. Um, Nathan Lane also tried to get Sondheim to write a musical a- adaptation of Being There, which is like a really 
popular comedy from like the, the 70s or 80s um it, it wouldn't probably wouldn't have worked no it, it's just why sondheim turned it down yeah uh i think he I said, like the he said the main like, character is like a cipher which wouldn't work for the audience um but uh, yeah anyways um yeah uh but it, it, I think the frogs has like some back half issues, but I think if someone brought it back down into 90 minutes, it would be perfect. Yeah. yeah. You could really, you could really make like a good show yeah. out of From what I've heard of frogs, it has some good moments. Come on. It a, tw- has some a 12 minute ones. aquatic ballet. <laughs> Not bad. Um, yeah. I'm like, we're running long. <laughs> so, yeah. Let's, uh, what, uh, uh, any final thoughts on uh, Sweeney? Or are we like, I, what, what does it feel like we haven't hit? So you guys, I mean, pretty women is oh. a very big scene that, okay. Part of why I love that um, ladies bum, bum, and their bum, sensitivities bum, 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 bum. number is because it, it leads directly into uh love pretty that. woman yeah. because it's so full hearing like four voices going off when you get to the stripped down simplicity of pretty women <sighs> yes. that also hits just as hard, True, um, but for different reasons and uh, so good. Um, I think. I think, uh, yeah, Pretty Women is is maybe like one of the heights of the of this version. Yes, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's where the vision comes. My comes ward is my favorite part of that. <laughs> Just him going, my ward. Yeah, it's definitely memeable. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah we it, it's it's interesting because like uh, Pretty Women gets interrupted by a song in in the musical, mm-hmm. and in this version, it's just dialogue. Yeah. Um, but it's, uh, it's, uh, it's Anthony singing, Joanne will marry me Sunday. Uh, you know, everything's marry set. Sunday. Yeah. And yeah. It, it's, it's just another motif. He just comes in with the motif oh. and then ju- the judge and Turpin hears the motif and it's like, I knew it. Yeah. And, and it's like, yes. it's brilliant. It's so good. And I love the like thing that Sondheim does where he'll interrupt a song with a song. Like that's yeah. so it's great. Yeah. It's so good. It's so good. You think that the song is going to come to its conclusion and then it never does. And you just have to live with that. Ugh. But that, that's like, yeah, that's life. Not everything resolves, yeah. you know, like. Which I yeah, love. In a satisfying way. So good. Uh, yeah, have a little priest. I feel like leaves a little to be desired in this version. It's one of my least favorite parts of the movie. And it's just, crazy. They're just pointing out the window and they're like yeah. at, at the figures, which the fun part of the song is that you're, they're pointing to the pies where the mm. people have been, you know, made into pies. Like and I don't like want to see the human version of them. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's one of those like classic, this is why you don't turn something into a movie. Cause like just showing yeah. the literal thing is so much less effective than mm-hmm. the theatricality of it. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I'm like, that's, that's pretty much all I have when Sweeney goes into like his, his full uh, bloodlust and starts killing everyone. There's, there's a pretty good sequence with his chair. He's like, they're, they're throwing bodies down and yeah. like everybody when it, when it drops into the basement, like smacks yeah, into like the a- floor. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, like a thud. Yeah, like you hear like their skull crack. Yeah. You're like, oh, it's brutal. Um, and then like Sweeney, uh, even in that last act, he's got this like this this white streak of hair mm-hmm. in this design, which is maybe the best Sweeney design yes. uh, of any of them. Mm-hmm. You got to give it to Burton for that. Yeah. Um, and, and the white strip is covered in red uh, in, the, in the final like yeah. 30 minutes. It's so good. And, and even like the, it's, it's great. Cause he has these bloodlines on his head that you could tell were just kind of like drawn with a brush, but it's also like the pattern it would look like if the, if you slashed it and it just sprayed like, like in a, in a straight line on him. Yeah. So it kind of embraces that 
theatricality of it, like the the stupidness of it, but um, in a fun way too. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't think, uh, and, and, I don't know. What do you guys, overall, does this work for you? Do you, uh, would you, would you watch it again? Would you recommend it? Like, I have watched it multiple times. Okay. I mean, um, yeah, I, I definitely liked it more than I thought I would. And I, and I feel like I could revisit this without cringing through the whole thing. Yeah. Me you know? revisiting it is more of like a, I'm in the mood to watch a musical and I don't want to put too much effort into it, you yeah, know? Yeah. But yeah, I, I like it in a way, in a way that it like feels very nostalgic to me because it's how I discovered Sweeney and it's how I like, honestly, part of like a big reason that I got into Sondheim. Um, however, like when you hold it up against any other adaptation of Sweeney or not adaptation, but any other version, it doesn't, it doesn't gel, you yeah. know? Well, it's tough too. That original production, um, they have, they literally got a steam whistle like an actual steam whistle yeah. from the industrial area wow. and, and they start the play with it. Yeah. And, and, and the, and like there, there's other parts where like the music and the, the actor singing like perfectly blends into the pitch that the steam whistle is at. It's awesome. But like it is to see, to have a steam whistle go off in the, in the room you're in has got to be insane. They, they literally had to like tone it down because it was deafening the actors like on stage. <laughs> yeah. Like it was way too wow. much. Yeah. And there's, and then there's a fun part part at the end where, um, they just, they, they walk off, uh, off stage and they slam the door. And like, that is like a f- statement that like feels hard to replicate mm-hmm. in, in, in film as well. But again, uh, Burton has that great final stage in there that that's final picture of Sweeney holding his dead wife. Yeah. That, yeah. you know, that, yeah. That he killed. That he killed. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which is, yeah, is tragic. Tragic. Um, doesn't he kill Joanna in the play version or does she get away? I thought, I, thought, I, I think thought she he, gets away. Okay. I, I, I think I was just misremembering it when I was going through it this time because Joanna is like hiding in the chair when the judge finally comes back the second time yeah. and he kills him uh, or she's, she's yeah hiding in the room. I'm looking, I'm looking. Um, no, she's nearly murdered by her father when he discovers her. Uh, she survives when Mrs. Lovett screams in the basement bakehouse, distracting Todd and allowing her to escape. That's right. right. Yeah. They, they just changed the sequence of events a bit here Yeah, uh, and where he just lets her go. Yeah. Which it was, it was because of the scream though. Was it because of the scream? Yeah. Right. She screamed and then he was like, all right, forget go. my and face. And then he let her go. Right. So, yeah. yeah, I guess it would have been better if like the scream happened and then she was like, I'm going to escape. You know, like if yeah. it, yeah. Yeah. I, I liked it. I thought it was good. Um, I, I really liked the story of it too, especially near the end. I think there were a lot of moments where like it had me where I was like, Ooh, I hope the judge doesn't walk in right now, you know, cause those <laughs> yeah. loaded guns are there waiting. Um, and that was really fun. I think. Yeah. It is really tightly pl- plotted too. Like yeah. when you think about yeah. it, it's only like five or six characters really going at it. Mm-hmm. I was a little disappointed by the lack of like, signature Sondheim things kind of that we talked about. Like Mm. I was hoping to hear more, more motifs. Like I thought we would hear more melody melodies stacked on top of each other. And there 
wasn't much of it. So it, it did leave me being like, I guess I got to listen to yes. the actual version yeah. because yeah. I yeah. know that exists. <laughs> you're like, exactly. You're not yeah. going to convince me otherwise. I'm glad I, I, I finally forced you to watch it after telling you not to watch yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah. I know, I know, I know. Now, now you can get into this world and get caught up with us. Uh, yeah. Um, all right. Well, cool. We'll, uh, we'll take a little break. We'll come back with a company. Yeah. Sweet. Welcome back, everybody. We are talking about Company, directed by Lonnie Price. Uh, this is the 06 uh, revival, as previously mentioned. Um, ran for most of 07. Uh, I, don't, I don't know if it won any Tonys. I probably should have looked that up. But I, I feel like this production, really the star of it is, is Raul, Raul Esperanza, right? By far. I mean, he is, mm-hmm. he's like the man. yeah. Um, company, if, if you don't know, is about, uh, Bobby, uh, the, or Robert, Bobby, the main character. Bobby. It's essentially, it's a ba, not, it's a nonlinear play because none of these events necessarily take place no. after one or another. Um, I and, will say, I think for the next, however long we're recording this podcast, I'm just going to be in the background going, Bobby, <laughs> you have Bobby. To. You, just to That's set what the they mood. do in the musical, so it'll work. Bobby. It works so well too, though, because because it, it it sets everything as taking place inside of Bobby's head, essentially. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's this framing device at the beginning of end of each act, which is his thirty fifth birthday party. But essentially, we're 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 going into the monotony of his life, uh, the dating scene. Uh, even the things people are expecting of him and, and, and projecting onto him. Um, and so like 35 is this perfect age where they like, he's having a surprise party. They say it at the beginning, like he, he's like, how many times do you get to turn 35? 11. Mm-hmm. And, and it's just like, you can tell he's just in this, in, in this crush essentially um, where everything's coming down. I, I, I wonder what your take is on like what exactly is going on here. Cause like, like plot wise mm-hmm. or, or what the meaning is. Cause there's a lot of readings of this. Some people think that Bobby kills himself at the end of, of the show. That's my favorite Wait, take on it. Honestly. Really? Yeah. Especially with like the way that like this one is played out where it's like, he blows out the candles at the end. It almost feels like blowing out the candles on his life. And then it's just like the hard cut there. I think we've it's talked so about this I know. Before I, th- and, I think we're but, opposed. Cause I think, yeah. I think of it in the fully opposite way of just like the, he's unable to blow out the candles mm-hmm. the whole show because mm. he's unable to make a wish and even know what he wants um, to the point that like, yeah, you know, it's it's stopping him from achieving what he wants to get. But then at the end, he's finally able to accept that and actually blow out the candles. But I think your reading is just as valid. Yeah, no, yeah. they um, definitely are equally Especially valid. because being alive is such a harrowing number yeah. that, like, I, I, again, it's the simplicity of Sondheim. I mean, mm-hmm. the, the words being alive going over and over again, and he's just contemplating whether it is worth it or not because essentially being alone is not being alive. Uh, so he either has to be with someone or be nothing is, is the idea. Yeah. Ugh. Which even if he is residing to being single is its own form of like, uh, you know, you could view it as a suicide in a way, right? Yeah. He's, he's yeah. killing himself off from love and like accepting those That's things. That's true. Um, 
it's also this is a really interesting one because Sondheim as a person was a very private person. Um, he didn't come out as homosexual until he was 40, which was a, like when this play came out um, in 1970. So this this musical is all about the, the you know the changing of culture from 1969 into the 70s. Um, and it's kind of a nice encapsulation of it, like the idea that like, the traditional marriage was kind of falling apart in that mm-hmm. way where people were just starting to think about the, you know, the, the, the family life in a different way and the, the worth of it all. I and mean, homosexuality was still like seen as like a mental disease at this point. Mm. Um, and like even Sondheim was like, I think he was going to like psychotherapy. Um, wow. he, he was dating girls like in his, his like thirties and stuff Whoa. like, mm-hmm. Very much just not coming to terms with this. And um, he, he really didn't find, like, love in his life until, like, a, a much later point. I think it was in the 90s that he finally had a long-term relationship, uh, like, with a man. And then he got married in the, in the, in the 2010s. But he talked about with the, with the show, with making it, that, like, he had never been in a serious relationship. So he had a, he had to go like to one of his friends who had been divorced and ask her like, like, what is it like? Like, what, what are these things? Am I hitting the right bases? Which is crazy because like the song, like little things, for example, you would never think that that had been written by somebody who had never been in a relationship. Right? Yeah. Like the nuance of that song and so many of the songs like side by side by side, there are so many songs Mm -hmm. that it's like, this Mm -hmm. is what being in a, less than perfect relationship looks like. Right. Yeah, even sorry, grateful too, yeah. where it's like, you, how do you write that without being in a long-term relationship? I mean, yeah. let alone a marriage. It's I, yeah. I so mean, impressive. Exactly. He's able to get the, the lonely angle of it throughout though. Yeah. You know, that's, mm-hmm. that's why marry me a little and someone is waiting hit so hard. I mean, again, the simplicity of someone is waiting. The whole song is just somebody is waiting wait for me. Yeah. yeah. Like just the idea yeah. that there's yeah. someone out there for you and then also wait a little longer for me because I know you're there. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah, I, I like, I was listening to one of the renditions on YouTube, like of the, the Broadway cast, the mm-hmm. revival. And like, I, I was like, <laughs> I just started crying during that song. Cause like, I've, I mean, I've been listening to this for like a full week and just contemplating. Yeah. And, yeah. You know, it just gains weight as you do. But like, I, there's, there's so many of these numbers that are, they, they, they really hit you. Yeah, I did, something about the way you said that just now made me think for the first time that wait for me isn't him saying wait for me to meet you and like wait for us to meet, but instead is him saying wait for me to be ready. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I had never, I've never thought, thought about, about that. I, that's yeah, that's a hot take. I I, I feel that definitely feel that. <laughs> I know, dude. It's cool. <laughs> Damn. <laughs> Just dropping bombshells here. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So, Sammy, you've been in a production of this, I have. right? I yeah. just just have to bring it up. So, you played Amy. I did play Amy. Yeah. And that means I approach this show very weirdly because I always look at shows from the like. If you ask me what a show is about, I will always tell you. Like, if I've been in it, I will always tell you from that character's perspective. Oh, like that's great. Yeah. Like. So I really want to know what company is about now. So company is from Amy's perspective. Company is about 
finding a way to help your friend when you can't help yourself. Like is mm. the way I think that Amy mm. sees that is very much like helping, like get, bringing up those around you when you feel like your own life is falling apart is a huge part of Amy That's So good, and is a huge part of her character and is massively how I think of the show. I view it very much from, and that's weird because Amy's like, you know, obviously not the main character, though she is one of Definitely the relevant the bigger, characters. Yeah. yeah. Um, she's not the like focus of the show. So how do you like take that kind of, in like how do you take an inactive viewpoint and make it an active viewpoint and that's the viewpoint that I found through it is like that learning how to like yeah like how to help others when you can't help yourself and how to be there for somebody when you are falling apart and how like dissatisfaction in some things is almost better than satisfaction in everything because there's more to lose wow yeah. Like, I definitely think that Amy compromises for Paul, but I think that that's like, she is better about that than if she found somebody because Amy's going to find a problem in everything. And I think that's human nature is to find a problem in yeah. everything. Mm -hmm. And so there's such a level of like, I know what these problems are. I'm comfortable with these problems and they are the ones that I'm going to keep. I mean, I think of... Mm -hmm. You always are what you always were, which has nothing to do with all to do with her. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I'm sorry, grateful, which is that exact thing. It's yeah. like, you know, it, it, it's it's both things. It's like you are so tied up in the relationship, um, but but you're still going to be you like yeah. at the end of the day. Yeah, it, it's it's yeah. I, I also think that reading works for Bobby, though. Yeah, it does. Bobby, because That's Bobby can't help himself. Especially but with, is, is the but, best friend and he, everyone yeah, side else. Side by side yeah. by side yeah. is about that, is that Bobby can't help himself, but he's like the buffer for yeah. every yeah. single one of what his friends. What would we do without you? Like, that's yes. Seriously. perfectly. Yeah. Ugh. That's so great. I mean, that's, that is the thing, is like, he is identifying, he, he's going through all these different relationships for a reason, right? There is a lesson to be learned in every scenario. Like, I love I, I love even in the back half of the show where um yeah, yeah, I forget the character's name but it's the girl who sings another hundred people Marta Marta mm. and, and and you go from like a scene with Marta where like her the friends are just talking about like how young she is and like mm -hmm. oh that must be fun just kind of like being very dismissive of her and then it it goes straight into his scene with Joanne. <coughs> Um, yeah. and, and like, it's just the edges of like, here's a young girl, here's a, an old girl. Um, Joanne even an says it in girl. that old oh, girl, uh, uh, Joanne even says it like, you know, we're in this middle age of being too old for, for the young people and too young for the old people. Yeah. We're the generation and, gap. Right. So good. <laughs> like, but, but yeah, the, 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 the push and pull, like he sees, he doesn't want to be Joanne because, you know, she resents every marriage she's in, but she's so insecure about herself that she needs to be in a marriage. Mm -hmm. And he's like, that's mm -hmm. a worst case scenario where like, I'm getting nothing out of it, but like I'm here going through the motions. Mm -hmm. um, and then another worst case. Yeah. With Marta, like he, just someone he's not going to connect to because they're in a fully different mind space culturally. Yeah. yeah. Like, like she is of the, the hippie generation. Yeah. That's yeah. Gonna be yeah. Past. Like there's no way he's going to get that. Yeah. Their buttholes are vastly different. Yes. <laughs> vastly different. <laughs> it, it is interesting what holds up and what doesn't like, yes. it, this mm -hmm. doesn't feel like something that was written in the seventies all the time. I think it's, mm -hmm. it still feels pretty modern. But when you know when it was made, all of a sudden it, it starts it makes to click. Sense. Yeah. yeah. Like even the, 
it's not talk of God or the decade ahead that reminds you to get through the worst. The worst, yeah. It's that's that's um that's all about the like the Cold War and just being scared (laughs) of like what's gonna happen uh, with the future. And there's like there's a really good alternate line for that one. The little things, the little things, the little things, the little things, the little little things you do together is maybe like the best. Like, like, you know, it's the second song that comes in. Yeah. And mm. it, it sets the tone for the show so well. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. That song is so fun to do right after the opening song because, like, the opening song is so everybody's on their own track. Yep. And then little things, you're so together. You're all just, like, you're just, like, on the same path and we're all doing the same thing. And yeah. it's, like, so fun to kind of bond with the cast in that moment. I, lo- I love the opening number though. Cause it's like, it's, I mean, it, so how Prince had the idea to call it company and like insisted like, okay, the opening song should be the whole company singing a song called company. And Sondheim's there like, fuck, how do you, how do you, how do you rhyme <laughs> company? Yeah. You know? And you don't, like, you do you it don't. with yourself. Exactly. But that's again, you know, um, content dictating form, right? Mm-hmm. It, there's even moments like at the end, we love you. The love is held out for like, 20 seconds yes like yeah. it's insane it's like so many counts i want to say it's like 24 yeah. counts it's just like we love like we yeah it, it just killed ourselves going. every time we would all be like okay but the whole f- reason that exists is because the choreographer wanted to get everyone from one position into a, a, a straight line on the stairs yeah and, and it's like, so you just rewrote it to, to fit. Like, <laughs> yeah. He's like, okay, wow. what can they do? You know, that's not like fast words because everyone's got to run and, and yeah. do this. Like, yeah, I got 20 seconds to fill. And then and also and, and it's, it's solid one of my that favorite it, parts of the song. Like, yeah, it's, yeah. it's solid yeah. that it crescendos too, because then like, you know, people can drop out at the beginning, run and of then course. come back in, you know, like it's, there's the, tons of drop in and out. So points. yeah. Yeah. I will say this is one of the shows that I think Sondheim writes people the most like instruments. Yeah. Like there are, I mean, especially from a single performer track, um, I was at the top and the bottom of my range during this. And it was like, those were the written notes for Amy. Like Amy Mm. does the high part of the company. And she also does the poor baby, the lowest harmony. So she goes, um, here where the only tenderness he's ever known, poor baby. And it's like insane. Like, why would you do that to a person? Sounds so good though. Sondheim (laughs) is so masochistic. Yeah. I don't know if you've heard uh, Merrily We Roll Along. Yeah. Uh, So Jason Alexander is in that before Mm -hmm. he was anybody. And he was like, everybody in the show, they were all kids. That was the whole idea is like cast 18 year olds. And so Sondheim was like, Hey, is there anything that I should know about your voice when I'm writing? And Jason Alexander's like, yeah, I'm not too great with half tones. And so the next day Sondheim shows up and gives Jason Alexander a song. And he's like, Jason is like, no, I think you misunderstood me. I said I'm not good with half tones. <laughs> this is all half tones. Yeah. And Sondheim was like, "Great, now you can grow." <laughs> Dude, that's why I think he gave Amy such a hard vocal track is because the original Amy was like not as much of a singer as she was a talk singer. Yeah. And I think wow. that's why Amy has the like worst vocal track in the show and I'm pretty sure it's because Sondheim was like, "This can be a learning experience." <laughs> wow. 
And like perpetually Amy's who are cast find themselves unable to do like both ends. Yeah. Um, yeah. And it's insane because like it, why, <laughs> why would you do that? It's wild too. Cause Joanne is such a, a sing or a speak songy mm-hmm. type of mm-hmm. a performance too. Like, a, um, yeah. I, <laughs> but you do with, with Joanne, like, you have to do so much work to hit the dissonance that she's yeah. hitting yeah. in those notes. Like you have to nail that, mm-hmm. which people who are usually the sing talker roles are not the ones that are, they usually have those roles for a reason, right? right? Yeah. No, it's deceptively simple mm-hmm. in that way mm-hmm. where you're like, oh yeah, all she's doing is yelling. And you're like, well, she's yelling. She's yelling very beautifully. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. She's yelling at a very clear tone yes <laughs> yeah yeah i do want to turn it down every time i get to that point yeah oh uh, yeah while we're while we're on it have you seen um the company uh doc doc that i, I held up a second ago no Th- this one i have not it's it's insane it, they, it's a documentary made on the original broadway cast recording um in elaine stretch in it who plays joanne mm-hmm. um has a bit towards the end they they've they've basically used all of their shooting time um, for or recording time in the space. And it's like 3 a.m. And she does ladies who lunch like, like 12 times and they can't get it right. Oh. And it is like brutal. Um, and it's like really good, but it, and it's like almost there. Uh, and, and you're kind of like, man, they're kind of like dicks even here. You're like, I think one of these probably would have been it. <laughs> yeah. Um, and they actually are like, okay, let's, let's wrap it up for the night. And we'll, we'll do a pickup. And she comes in the next day to do it and kills it on the first take. Like, I love it that. Is, it is insane how I much love. better it is, too. Yeah. Where you're like, holy fuck. Like, okay, they knew what they were waiting for. Yeah. 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 Um, but it's like, it's it's maybe the best part of that documentary. <laughs> like, I love that. Yeah. It's that's, a really, really good documentary. Go ahead. I was just going to say, that's a great uh, sort of anecdote for people who work in the film industry where it's like, yeah, yeah, of course you're not going to give your best work after you've worked 15 hours staying up till (laughs) 3am. Let's just come back the next day. Yeah. I feel like a lot of people could take that note. (laughs) Absolutely. Oh yeah. But studio space is so expensive. I mean, it's like, yeah, yeah, costs a couple thousand bucks for just like, you know, a couple minutes. Um, yeah, uh, this production's pretty interesting. It's so it's pretty sparse on the set. Um, yeah. All the actors are holding the instruments. I love that. that they're playing, which is a fun. It's a fun conceit. Um, Although at times I do feel like it's unfounded. I think I, I agree. Yeah. I think it, I think it works for a couple moments really well, and then the there's other parts. replacing the doo 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 doos with like the saxophone. Yeah, yeah, insane. I love that. Because yeah, like that builds a comedic punctuation to the mm-hmm. song that was kind of already there. Yeah, uh, and even the 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 London and the new Broadway revival with the gender swap Bobby, mm-hmm. they've done something really fun with "Sorry Grateful" to, or "Sorry you, you Could Drive a Person Crazy." Also, yeah, um, I don't know if you've heard it, but it's a uh, it's a barbershop like yeah. uh, oh, trio. Yeah. Yes, yes, instead of quartet. Mm-hmm. But, yeah. Um, it's a really great tweak. I, yeah, I love the like shift of from the Andrews sisters because the Andrews sisters like makes so much sense for three women. Right. But yeah, like the shift to the barbershop is so perfect. Yeah, there's there's a couple choices in the revival that work pretty well. Yeah. Um, 
Yeah, th- this one, so like the 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 70s one was really all about the ensemble. Yeah. It, like like Bobby was not the focus of Mm-mm. it. There, there's a 95 or 97 production that was directed by Sam Mendes in London. Mm-hmm. And, and that shifts it more towards being Bobby's story. It's set in his apartment. So you, you kind of like always get the, the sense that it is one place, one time, and, and just him. He's like kind of going on a bender, like in side by side. He's doing lines of coke and then just yes. dancing around the room like crazy. Yeah. And it like it really works. But um, I think th- this one just kind of pushes that idea a little further. I-, I think Raul just gives such a great performance as Bobby that it's like it's gut wrenching. Mm-hmm. It's it's feels like the whole point of the show is to like showcase know, showcase <laughs> him. Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. I think everyone else does a really good vocal performance. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's like some, some actors that don't come in fully and it, yeah. that's probably yeah. the trouble of getting people who could also play these mm-hmm. instruments. Cause I hate the Paul. I'll say it. Yeah. I hate no, Paul. He, he's not great. Amy's husband. Yeah. I, I think, didn't they even cut like the, I hate him. They, they, they've cut a little bit of like some scenes here too. Like. There, there's a bit with them with, with the orange juice and all that. There's like, there's no, a the lot, orange there's juice. More. Oh, there's, there's more, more. There's more. Yeah. Mm. Um, yeah, I will say though, the Amy really flexes on everybody because yeah. the the tempo at which getting married today is written is a third slower than how she does it. Like she Holy does shit. it 30% faster. Wow. Yeah. No wonder this one feels so fast yeah. when you, when you listen like, to it. Because like typically it's like and then I not to flex, but I did it at her speed. Yeah, uh, well, yeah <laughs> Let's you have, go. After you she have does to. that, it's like, yeah, all right, all right, yeah. All right. the bar's been raised. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but so the original is like, pardon me, is everybody there? Because if everybody's, and she does it like, pardon me, is everybody there? Is everybody there? I don't think you're over here. There's something that this Amy does too, which is she continues the pattern of, of seeing speech in the dialogue part. Yes, she does it really you're, well. Yes. You're like, Oh my God. Like that, that's one of those beautiful things where, you know, you get handed something and you're like, Oh, it's, it's been made iconic. Yeah. Like, how can I put my own twist on it? And, and it, there's just always that potential. The That was one of my favorite doing the monologue, honestly, because the song is iconic and you know, there's only so much you can do within the rhythms that have already been given to you. And right. there's a lot that you can do with getting married today. Like, um, but there's so much that you can do with what comes after yeah. and like how that informs the character of the song. Um, and one of the, when I was playing Amy, my character was definitely like more overtly manic. And so the, where we got to like more so than cause a lot of Amy's I've found play it like very internally and they're like, pardon me, is everybody there? Like it's very, and I was like, from the beginning yeah. and then that like it built and built and built and then it accumulated honestly more than it did at the end of the song it accumulated in the scene after because there was this one part where she goes she goes oh the toast now i blew the toast and usually when that line's done it's like oh the toast and i literally went i was like oh the toast i like <laughs> at the top of my lungs i was like now i blew the toast and the audience was like like sitting there, like watching me just like scream at the top of my lungs. And I think this Amy is one of the best Amy's that I've seen at taking the energy of her song yeah. into mm-hmm. the energy of I, the I, scene even thereafter. Even when I was watching the scene, I was thinking about how 
I would love to see you do it because I, I, I figured it'd be actually hilarious. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah, it's it's literally so much of the video that I have of it is just me like full ass screaming. There's like one part where she goes, stop staring, Paul. And I like <laughs> turned like fully around from the audience. I go, stop staring <laughs> at the top of my lungs. And so it was just like those moments of that. And then these moments of like absolute silence in between where I was just like staring at Matt Derigo, if either of you know him, another Vegas, Vegas OG. Um, uh, he went to Faith Lutheran. Uh, when you, Your when friend? we all went to Gorman. No, your guys is. I'm not in the same grade. Well, yeah, that's, uh, you know. So above you. Yours. Okay. Yeah. There's no Langford. No. (laughs) (laughs) The Um, I would have known by the name. Yes, yes. Matt was, so much of that was finding the balance between like the silence and the speed and that like really she's either at zero or a hundred. Like she's never at like 75%. And I think that's very different than the Amy that's in this production who very much like a lot of the time was very quiet and controlled and like that kind of manic, Um, which is, I just feel like it's so fun like with such an iconic character, how many ways you can take it. Yeah. No, and like, exactly. That you can still be high energy, but you can be loose with it mm-hmm. instead of like mm-hmm. pointed, right? Mm-hmm. Totally different. Uh, I, I really like what they did with the instrument of, uh, blanking on her, April. June, April. Yes. Um, June. April. <laughs> uh, with her instrument, with that scene right before the song, uh, where he's like, caressing the yes, saxophone. The, the saxophone. The saxophone. Yes. Yes. I loved that so much, especially with like how stripped back everything yeah. is. Like yeah. it makes so much sense to have them like almost on opposite ends of the stage, but still like it's right another, there. Connected. It builds a sensuality yeah. to He does a yeah. great yeah. job. Like, yeah. yeah, he's like almost attractive for a minute, I yeah. want to say. Uh-huh. Another moment that I think they use the separation really well is in the wrestling scene. Like when uh, I I don't like that actually. You don't. I don't like. That. You don't like them being on opposite sides of I the don't stage. Like that <gasps> I like it. No, it, it makes I thought sense. it was so cool. It makes full sense for this vision of the production. Mm-hmm. Uh huh. Um, especially because like yeah, they, there's not even liquid in the in the glasses. Yeah, that yeah, yeah. From, you know, uh, but like it it loses the clarity of, you know, she wins the first point. He wins the second. I point. do. Yeah. She wins the, the third. Like it's yeah. The narrative is sacrificed, but I like the convention. I'm curious as to what specifically you like so much about it. Okay. So I really enjoyed that part because I like seeing the separation between them. I like it being like reinforced that like though to me, it kind of reads as like, though they're fighting each other, they're actually kind of fighting themselves because oh my God. yeah, I like that. Yeah, that, yeah. That's, that's cool. That's my um, read on it. But if you don't have that read on it, it doesn't make any sense. They have so. a really interesting scene too. Cause it's like, he's telling Bobby that, you know, he's an alcoholic and mm-hmm. he's like on the wagon now. Um, and it, it, it's like, she's coming into corrective. You know, it's, it's been, it's been a year and a half, a year, yeah. year and a half. And it's like, it'll be a year. It is the, the troubles that they're having, but like they're, they're just getting caught up on like, weird other things yeah and and that's yeah. exactly what's happening in that scene i feel like is they're fighting themselves right. but it comes off as them fighting each other exactly because yeah. even she's like eat a brownie like you know like yeah. because she's fighting the, yeah, the urge I can't. To eat it. you can't yeah, yeah like yeah that's pretty good i mean it's 
Sorry, guys. I'm just here to convince you why you should like something no, you don't like. <laughs> no, I mean that. That's that's a really great point. That's that's like the beauty of of, of staging like this, though. Is that mm-hmm. again, you could you could put on an idea mm-hmm. on top of it. But I I think that's probably this. I think this was my first production of company that I saw. Oh, okay. I either saw this or the the Neil Patrick Harris that Patty was my first star footed yeah. studded one. Um, and Neil Patrick Harris and Sondheim love affair for the ages. Absolutely. So good. I, I, I think I, I prefer the, the Philharmonic production though, just because like when I first saw this, I did not understand what was going on. I think there was just a bit too much of the text that yeah. went over my head. That's and, fair. If this was my first watch of something, I don't know that I would have, but having the, the knowledge of like what happens in this show um, makes us a really good revival. Like mm-hmm. if, yeah, just cause even like side by side, like, like we said, the bits with the instruments are really fun. You see every couple, you know, play together. Mm-hmm. And then when you get to Bobby, he just has a kazoo, which yes. has yeah. no counterpart. I love, and he turn. I love that they have him turn too, like to look for, yeah. to look yeah. and nothing. Yeah. I, I will say, I think my favorite instrument pairing, and this could be biased, but I think it's that Amy is the trumpet because that makes so much sense. Yeah. Like this mm-hmm. loud ass mm-hmm. bitch. Yeah. So good. I mean, yeah. There's there's a couple other good instrument parts, but they, they do feel f- like few and far between. Mm-hmm. Like really, the 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 money shot is Raúl coming into the piano at the end and and, and actually doing playing. that on his but, own. Yeah. Um, I do like that the the sex scene takes place on the piano though. Yes. Uh, mm-hmm. Like that was something I noticed this time, and I was like, oh, okay, like yeah, they, there could be something here, like because you know he's even facing it the way like he yeah. he would be if he was playing it at yeah. the end. Okay, so this version of Kathy, I think, is really good, especially in the, the acting scene. Mm-hmm. Um, it's uh, the, it's uh, in the Another 100 People yeah. montage. Um, they're at Central Park, and she's taking them to a waterfall. Mm-hmm. And, and he's like, what about that party? Exactly. Yeah. And, like, every other rendition I've seen, it's, like, very light. Yeah. Um, and in this version, like, there's a moment of, like, oh, why didn't we ever get married? And they play it. Like like was so yes really much well passion. Done. I mean, I they're love it. holding they're both each like, other's oh. hands and they're like laughing and they're like, man, maybe this is a thing. Even though she knows she's about to go get married to yeah. someone else entirely, yeah, like she's entertaining it for for the moment. It's tragic. <laughs> yeah, I will say I think that's that's so well done in the concept of like all the women have a moment where they're like could have been Bobby, you know, like every yeah. single one. Yeah. And I will say that like feels very much like a commentary on like, you, you know, the like age old question, can men and women ever just be friends? Like the, mm-hmm. when Harry met Sally ass, right. like yeah. question. Um, and I love like the way that it's like so nebulous and so ambiguous in like where all of the women kind of are like, hmm. no, right? <laughs> No, <laughs> I think I think that that has to add on to the pressure he feels from all of his friends, too, because yeah. uh, mm-hmm. like um, like poor baby is such a good song because, you know, they're, they're invi- it, it, again, it's the contrast of like he's with someone, but they're imagining him being alone. But then also they're they're commentating on these on the girls he's bringing. Like, yeah. isn't she a little dumb for you? Like, is, is she's not enough. My like, fave yeah. is that Amy goes neurotic, <laughs> like, bitch. <laughs> and it's kind of funny because they all kind of do comment like things about themselves. If you mm-hmm. listen, like, uh, 
yeah or like things that in some way relate to their character i think there's which such... makes sense i think when people judge like yeah. it is yeah. almost always from a place of like i hate seeing that in me and like you know or it's i feel insecure about this and that's why i'm projecting it but nothing have... will ever send me the way that amy going neurotic <laughs> i'm like great. bitch yeah you i was just you you have the line where he says uh I, I don't remember who any of the guys are, like who's who, but the alcoholic, when he's like, he's the only guy I know who should drink more. Right. Yeah. Absolutely. It's like, well, yeah. it's all about him. You're probably one of the only guys in your life who needs to drink less, yes. you know? Yeah. Yeah. De- Devin, I have a, I have a question for you. It might be, it might be a tough one, but okay. you're married. Yes. How's your view on this? on this changed since being single to being not not like to yeah. talk about your but just no, like yeah, yeah. the idea um, of commitment at all you know yeah one of the interesting things is as i was like getting ready to get married i was like uh, for probably maybe like six months before like there was always this subtext in my mind of like, I can't wait to watch company six months after I'm married. <laughs> oh. oh, that's so good. <laughs> Honestly, the same, man. <laughs> like, yeah, I probably yeah. would have said the same. But it didn't change as much as I thought it would, mm. uh, which I think I'm still trying to figure out. Some things that's really interesting, my wife is not a musical theater person. She's not a theater person. We sat down to watch this, this company and she was, she gave it maybe less than five minutes. And she was like, yeah, I'm really not a theater person. And she was (laughs) tapped She was still in the room and like every now and then she'd be like, oh, that's what this song is from because she's heard me play it thousands of times. (laughs) Um, But like in that sense too, I I, I would play songs like Sorry Grateful with her in the car and she'd be like, I just want to, I'd be like, I just want to listen to this song. Sometimes it'd be after a fight. Sometimes it'd be after a sweet moment. But like, to me, it's, a very sweet song uh, because it is both, yeah. obviously. But every time she hears it, she's like, you cannot like, cause she only hears the sorry, right? The, right. The, the bad. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Um, and it's I, such a good barometer in that way. It really it is. is. A half, half. The, yeah. same, the same with, with the killing at the end. You, yeah, like, yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. Um, and so I think that's kind of the most interesting part about it is how, different our takes are on the same songs coming from the same marriage. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I will say, um, I know we talked about right at the beginning that Sweeney was like the most accessible song time for people who don't like musicals. I would say company is the least accessible song time for people that don't like musicals. 100%. If you don't love musical theater, you will not Pay company yeah. more than like five yeah. minutes, especially Definitely. especially this staging, right? Yes. Because especially this yeah, like staging. One of my favorite things of that that Philharmonic production, like side by side, is my favorite number. And I'm like, just to see them doing a proper chorus line mm. during that with t- 
top hats and a cane. It's fine. I mean, you're just like, yeah. is there anything better than that in musical theater? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Which, yeah, like, if you're not a musical theater person, you're going to roll your eyes at that. Absolutely. You're like, oh, yeah, oh, you're like, oh, we get it. But it's like, yeah, that's the point, though. And, and like this one, they all stand in like two lines with their instruments. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It works, but it just doesn't hit. It, no. Yeah. Um, I will say my biggest note, one of my biggest notes about the direct address, since we're speaking about that and like the separation and whatnot, right. is that it does take away from the like voyeurism, like the window into another person's life that you get that is so inherent to company. I feel like it gets rid of the sense of intimacy because you're, feeling like they're presenting it for you. Right. Mm. And that is what frustrates me most about this staging. But then that's why I think I like that one is because it, it's like that one part, the the wrestling is because it's so presentational. Like it's for Bobby, mm. you know? It's like, we would be beating each other, but we can't be. So we are right in the middle wrestling. Of like, yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That was a, just a disconnected point. That's that I no, no, no. That, that, yeah. That's a really good point. I think you you hit it though, because it's it is that lack of of connection that like mm-hmm. you, you just it's want not that intimate. extra element. Yeah. Um, I I feel like this would make a really good proper movie. Yeah. But again, I think it would be so hard to nail. I think it would go the way I, of the last five years. I have to say, yeah. with all yeah. the vignettes, definitely. It, it, and it would be like I feel like you would almost have to restructure everything. Um, like like scenes, songs, because like you don't have an act break. Like like going from, uh, marry me a little to side by side works with with the intermission, but marry me a little was cut from the original version of yeah. um company because mm-hmm. Sondheim was worried it stated the the final you know it was basically Bobby singing from the being alive perspective and he's yeah. like he's hitting this realization Same. too early mm-hmm. yeah um so that but you know they, they brought it back I think it works it's one of my favorite songs I think so I love both those songs but yeah I, I don't know um I, I it could work if it was like a little more like like I, I want to say like psychedelic in in that way where it's like it's really about his mind and like yeah. him going through it like if they kept like cutting a, back to like him in the apartment the birthday party the birthday party like like everyone in the room like you know and like just it feels almost like a fever dream yeah I think I think it it, it could really take like off a, in a cool way uh, like a Kaufman being John Malkovich kind of <laughs> like take on it would I'm be in, I'm wild yes. yeah. yeah that's crazy. Let's do it. All right, cool. <laughs> Let's put it on. Yeah, straight. Um, yeah. So, so was um, I'm just circling back to like you coming to the show for the first time. Were you did Did you listen to this before you're in it, or did you just um, so my yes and no. Um, I knew Company. I'd heard songs from Company. I didn't listen to the whole soundtrack until I was in the show. Okay. Um, but before I was in the show to practice, because I knew the guy who was directing it wanted me as Amy pretty confidently. Um, I listened to this, uh, getting married today. And I was like, Oh my God, this is 
the hardest song ever. And so then when I went to auditions for this and they were playing it at the, like the written in the, Uh, in the score tempo, I literally, well, first of all, they were like, can you, they were like, we're going to slow it down for auditions. We know none of you know it well enough. And my ass was like, can you play it at tempo? And then they play it at tempo. Uh, we had a, a live pianist right. mm. and they, she was playing it at tempo. And I was like, no, at tempo. And she was like, no, this is tempo. And I was like, can I look at the sheet music? And I look at the sheet music and I look at the tempo and I'm like, oh my God. And I go, do you know the, the 2006 tempo? That's the one I've been practicing it at. And she goes, sure. And like, (laughs) (laughs) and she goes, I'm going to be real. I don't know if I know it well enough to play it at that tempo yet. (sighs) And I go, that's okay. I could do it acapella. (laughs) You are insane. You, you, you hit on one of the the biggest things as like, these are the hardest songs for like uh, for for piano players to play mm-hmm. in the room. Like that, that's one of the they they tell you in like musical theater school. Like, don't come in with a Sondheim yep. song <laughs> because they might not be able to play it. Yeah, like it might be just too hard. Yeah, and like here you are being like faster, faster. <laughs> like was, to like a poor student. Who's it was like, literally oh. a student. It was like a student. <laughs> of course. Like, Fuck. And I was like, no, I, we got it. We got it. We can do it together. And so every day before rehearsal, that was my warm up. is I would go over to the piano and like every single rehearsal, I'm not saying like most rehearsals, I'm saying before every single rehearsal, that was what got me into character. That was what got me in the headspace for rehearsal every day was going over to the piano and doing this at the 2006 tempo. And like, we got like machines at it. I would walk over, I wouldn't say hi to anybody. I'd like walk in, I'd be like, okay, ready, go. And she'd just be like. It was crazy. Okay, so my follow-up is like you were aware of the gender flip version at least like when you were auditioning so and you said you wanted to play bobby i did so yeah like what draws you to the role because for for me like i i I mean i don't know it's very much a a role written for a guy so i was like oh yeah i I think of myself immediately for it you know (laughs) (laughs) like i i'm just curious like what um like like what do you see in 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 the character because i mean it it is broad enough for anyone too like we said but but i really get specifically Bobby's well okay so I will preface it by saying I have this horrific thing that I do where um every time I'm in a show I will like adopt the like things about the character into my life like I think that was pretty recognizable over the process of me playing Cinderella when I did Into the Woods I feel like there was so much of like the back and forth and not being able to make a decision that like started within me like I started not being able to like pick restaurants Mm -hmm. like my friends would be like where do you want to go to eat and I'd be like I don't know we could go here or we could go here or we could go and I like the indecision of those 10 months of my life was insane but um I that's why I, I always like want to play characters that I relate to. I think partly so that like my personality won't change well, so that you, much. Yeah. Well, the bounce back for me has always been one of the toughest parts too, as an actor. Yeah. I, like, yeah. And, um, with Bobby, like I really get the, um, 
But it's funny because all the things I get about Bobby are the things I get about Amy. I think Bobby and Amy are very similar. I think that's why they're like, she's his best friend. Like he says Mm -hmm. that. And I think, and he says that they're very similar. He acknowledges it. And I think that like- So is she. Yeah. I mean, he's best man for the wedding. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of what I get is I get the, like the fear of commitment, the not wanting things to change, the like- just constant questioning if you're on the right path, if you're making the right decision, if you're if your next move is the right one. And also thinking back about all the things that could have been, all the things that you did and didn't do that led you to this exact point. One of like my favorite things, and I say that sarcastically because it sucks, but one of my favorite <laughs> things to do is to like sit and like think about, oh, if I had made this decision, this would have happened. And then I, my life would be different in this way. The butterfly way. effect. Of course. Yes. Yeah. I mean, yeah, you're just like, if I had <sighs> picked a different school, like you're yeah. like, oh, I hope yeah. my friend group's different. Yeah, everything, yeah. yeah. That uh, shit's crazy. No, I think, I think you nailed it. I mean, most of those are like the things that I love about the character too. That same question of commitment. Um, it's also like, like I, I, I say this as like a bisexual man, like there is a bit of this like push and pull of like the, the normal patriarchy. Right. Mm-hmm. And then like, like the idea of being alone and being something else or different. I feel like that's a, that's a reading a lot of queer people have put on to this, this, uh, this show. Um, it, it's, it's, yeah, it's, uh, it's interesting though too. Cause like, I don't think like my conception of like having a queer life is being lonely anymore. Like, that 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 to me feels more of a product of its time, yeah. Specifically, um, but I, I, it's why like I kind of like the the gender bent version, yeah. They, they mm-hmm. because uh, Amy becomes Jamie, and, and it, it's it's like a gay marriage, so there's just yeah. yeah, just a different idea of commitment being put you know into everyone's head essentially. Um, I don't know. I I like it, it's there's probably too much in here, like where you're just like you don't want to fully dig into why you relate to these yes. characters yes yeah. you're yes like, you're like there's some truths in there like not worth un- <laughs> yeah. too yeah. deep too deep for sure i think also the like battle internally between which is with everybody wanting that love and wanting to be free and the idea that love and freedom are like opposed opposed yeah. in some way and i mean there are ways you know, that, that people can like, I feel like with like polyamory and stuff there, people are starting to be like, Hey, maybe like you can be in love with one person, but that doesn't mean like that, like ethical non-monogamy, you know, and like Mm -hmm. that kind of thing. I feel like there's, we're starting to kind of move away from the idea that love and freedom have to be exclusive, but I feel like there's still so much a sense of like, you find the one and you stay with the one forever and that's like a very scary thing in certain regards and I feel like this whole show deals a lot with like the absolute like terrifying shit of that I think the divorced couple hits that really well Mm -hmm. like they are managing to be together and have their freedom in their own way it just requires them to be divorced, but still yeah. living yeah. together. Well, they say taking... we're more married now that we're divorced. Yeah, yeah. yeah. which is I, so funny. I love the line too when Bobby's like, oh, where are you living? And he's like, well, here I have Sarah and my kids to take care of. 
Exactly. Yeah, it's like, yeah, it's a pretty good perspective on divorce yeah. in some ways. <laughs> so good. Um, yeah, another, there, there's another line I love from that scene you were just talking about, Devin, which is, you know, Bobby, he uh, says the unexamined life isn't worth living. And then it, it gets hit back with him. Uh, the other guy says the unlived life isn't worth experiencing. Examining, I think. Examining, says, thank right? you. Sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, not experiencing. Thank you. Yeah. Um, God, yeah. That's it, real. It, mm-hmm. it's, it's hella real. But it's also, I what I love about the scene where Bobby is high with, with everyone else, mm-hmm. there, there's a question of like, why haven't you settled down? And he gives like all the rote kind of things you would say. Like, I wanted my career to get going. Oh, I mm. wanted to experience life and like, just never got it going. And then like everyone just turns it on him. Like, okay, you've done all those things now. Like you are at that point where you have yeah. no more excuses now. Yeah. And he's still wanting to use the same excuses. It's, it's great. It's, it's just, it's exactly how people like actually act and you yeah. know, cha- change is hard. Yeah. <laughs> like Change is hard. It also shows you how important good company is to understand yourself and to, push through your own bullshit. Mm -hmm. Like he wasn't going to get there without everybody else being like, right. So why haven't you? And then he's like, Oh shit. Right. Yeah. I, uh, a few, a few, I have a few like things on this being a movie, right? Like the movie version of this as a stage production, Mm. the editing is really interesting. I feel like, the editing job's really good here because they they um, they're emotional edits. They're not yes. always about um, the action that's happening on happening on stage or showing everything happening. Mm-hmm. And there's even like really great stuff where like they'll shoot Bobby and then like some other people will start singing and the camera kind of like pans and pulls over to them. Yes, so that you understand that the space. You know, like, which is what you would get in theater where, like, someone starts singing, you don't immediately look over. Like, you're, you're still kind of a little locked in that. Um, I love that. There was one moment where they cut to Amy in the middle of some action that was going on, and she was just, like, there. Like, right. I forget. I'm trying to think of what it was. And it's, like, so, it's, like, yeah, that's how your attention jumps on stage. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, you find. Like, someone, someone's in the light, and suddenly, you, yeah, yeah. you go. And it's, like, they're maybe not talking, but, like, you're looking at that one or you're looking at this ensemble member because they're saying this, you know? Like, it's, it's yeah, I thought that it was, they did a really good job with the cam, making the camera like the audience's viewpoint. I never was, like, wait, I want to be watching something else. Absolutely. And they had, like, a crane. Like, you see it at the end. Yes. Yeah. Um, And, like... They, they do a, a sweeping crane shot for being alive, like at the big <laughs> crescendo of that uh, crescendo. Yeah. Uh, I'm fucking that up. <laughs> <laughs> you had to slap uh, my Fuck that. Uh, but but that hit really hard. It's like they, they had tools and they, they kind of pulled back and just like let the acting really be the showcase here. Um, one more thing I really love is when they're showing off the bedroom. Um, there's a part where like the girl is like, oh, what is this yes, thing? Yes, she so understated and she looks up at the column. Yeah, and the camera pans up with yes. her like because she does the slowest move up. Yeah, yes. Like it, it actually communicates the 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 joke, you mm-hmm. know? Yeah, Be- yeah, Because the absolutely. joke wouldn't translate to film. No. But, but the director's letting it land, which is... Yeah. It, it's a hidden piece of directing, but like that, that hit me. And it, it was really cool... Too, the, the way they lined it up with the audience laughter, like it hits right after that camera finishes panning. Yep. And it 
you know, it was, it was almost jarring for me in like a good way where I was, because it, it felt like the audience reacting to the camera, yes. which I knew they weren't watching. But, but yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. it's yeah. crazy. Yeah. No, that's crazy. Yeah, you're right. There were several times I noticed that I was like, the audience feels like they're watching the film version of this. <laughs> <laughs> they're not watching the stage version. And I, I do, I, I do wonder if they had shot one production or if they shot a couple nights and cut together or, or what, because, you know, that's a thing you could do. Yeah. The, the tricks in editing, like, all right, let's put in the audience laughter there. But it, mm -hmm. it all feels seamless um, in, in a way that you feel like it's one performance, yeah. which, which is the way it should be done. I think I read something somewhere where it said they filmed the last two uh, yeah. you, productions. Yeah, you usually don't want just one in case. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You know? <laughs> You're like, we brought the whole crew here. We may as well pay them an extra yeah, day. Yeah. yeah, yeah. You think we can get the same camera guy we got <laughs> for next week? Yeah. Uh, um. Yeah, another, there, there's like a, a bit of, before Ladies Who Lunch where Joanne says, remember when everyone smoked? Like smoking used to be a cool thing. Like mm. like that, that was a, um, I, I just, I just thought about that as like a, a very 60s thing of just yeah. being like actually remembering when ev literally everyone smoked. Because I, I, every time I've watched it, I just thought of it in the context of like when you're young, your friends smoke. Mm. Yeah. Um, but yeah, and then. Yeah, Bob, Bobby replies with like, oh, I never smoked, I meant to. And, you know, it's yes. like, meant to, story of your life, meant to. <laughs> yeah, that's that's good. iconic, iconic line. Yeah. Incredible uh, Joanne roast. And then, yeah, don't ever get married, why would Why would you? Mm -hmm. and, and Bobby says like, oh, for company? Yeah. Like everyone else. <laughs> it's just like, that, like the few times they use company, mm -hmm. like mm -hmm. love is company is, is, is company, the word in the company, opening, you know, just being yeah. like, uh, yeah, the, it's the whole ethos of the show, but it's just so beautiful. And yeah, Bobby eventually gets to who will I take care of? Right. I also think that whole phrase musically is so interesting because they go company, lots of company, love is company, life is company. Yeah. Equating like, yeah, love and life as the same things, mm -hmm. right? Like if you, if you do the A plus B, you yeah. can see and take that out. Yeah. 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 I will say I watched every single iteration of an Amy that there is mm -hmm. like to get, cause I didn't want to base mine off of one. Of course. Um, but that like, this is one of my favorite Amy's I think just because of how like differently she does it. She just, she's so good. She, it, there's one more moment I love where she, um, they, they come in with bless this bride and she screams yes, yes, and runs yes. under the she piano. Goes, ah! <laughs> so good. Uh, yeah. Okay. Well, um, I'm like, I, we're, we're, this has been so long. This is the <laughs> longest like, podcast in the world. I'm sorry. Uh, let's, let's wrap this up. Um, thanks so much for coming on guys. Yeah. Uh, where can people find you, find your work, all that type of stuff. Yeah. Uh, at Samantha Georgette Reed. That's S-A-M-A-N-T-H-A-G-E-O-R-G-E-T-T-E-R-E-E-D. Um, yeah. My website is that same. Uh, at Archetypes Productions on Instagram um, is my production company. And is that everything that I feel like I should promo right now? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Devin? All my stuff is just in my apartment <laughs> waiting to be let out. <laughs> uh, 
Well, uh, you can follow us on Instagram, Twitter, Letterboxd. Um, we do a video podcast on YouTube. You can listen to this on po- uh, audio podcast formats. You know the deal. Uh, yeah. Go check out another episode of Cinema Span. Share this with a friend, something like that. Uh, thanks for joining us, everyone. And stick around for me singing. Getting oh, oh my God. That. Wait, I forgot. <laughs> yeah, okay. Go. <laughs> Do you want it, actually? Yeah, you got to. That's, okay. yeah, that's. Hang on. I'm putting in my thing. headphones so that I can make sure that I'm at tempo the whole time. Give me a sec. I just pulled it up in the car on I'm the way. I'm so excited. I listened to it once because I was like, is it recording? Yeah. I listened to it once. I was like, there is the possibility that I will do it on the podcast. You said there was the possibility. I'm like, it's happening. That's true. I yeah. literally walked in and I was like, hey, if you want. And you were like, yes. I want. <laughs> okay, ready? Let's see. I'll fast forward to 55 seconds, which is where. Da, 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 da. Yeah. Okay, ready? Pardon me, is everybody there? Because if everybody's there, I want to thank you all for coming to the wedding. I'd appreciate you going even more to me. You must have lots of better things to do and not a word of it to Paul. Remember, Paul, you know the man I'm going to marry, but I'm not because I wouldn't ruin anyone as wonderful as he is. But I thank you all for the gifts and the flowers. Thank you all. Now it's back to the showers. Don't tell Paul, but I'm not getting married today. Today. And then, bless. Okay. <laughs> hang on, hang on. I, I will carry on. I can do the whole thing. Bless this bride. Insane. <laughs> find his code cufflinks they're on the dresser right next to my suicide note listen everybody look i don't know what you're waiting for a wedding what's a wedding it's a prehistoric ritual where everybody promises fidelity forever which is maybe the most horrifying word i've ever heard and which is followed by a honeymoon where suddenly you'll realize you saddled with a not one kill me you should send some thanks a bunch but i'm not getting married go have lunch because i'm not getting married you've been grand but i'm not getting married don't just stand there i'm not getting married and don't tell paul but i'm not getting married today go can't you go why is nobody listening goodbye go and cry at another person's wake if you're quick for a kick you could pick up a christening but please on my knees there's a human life at stake Listen, everybody, I'm afraid you didn't hear. Do you want to see a crazy lady fall apart in front of you? It isn't only Paul who may be ruining his life. No, both of us will be losing our identity. Did I telephone my analyst about it? And he said to see him Monday, but by Monday, you'll be floating in the Hudson with the other garbage. I'm not well. I'm not getting married. You've been swell, but I'm not getting married. Clear the hall, because I'm not getting married. Thank you all, but I'm not getting married. And don't tell Paul, but I'm not getting married today. And then my favorite Ooh. is actually the last part because of the... The, the things and the overlapping, yeah. but the things that she lists. Thank you for the 27 dinner plates oh, and 37 yes. Yeah. Yeah. yes. Hang on. Rain. I like these like long pauses in between where I'm just like waiting. They're like necessary, I imagine. <laughs> Go, can't you go? Look, you know I adore you all, but why? Watch me die like Eliza on the ice. Look, perhaps I'll collapse in the abs right before you all. So take back the cake, burn the shoes, and boil the rice. Look, I didn't want to have to tell you, but maybe coming down with hepatitis, and I think I'm going to faint. So if you want to see me faint, I'll do it happily. Wouldn't it be funnier to go and watch a funeral? So I think for the 27 dinner plates, the 37 butter knives, the 47 paperweights, the 57 candle lures. I am not getting married, but I'm not getting married. See, I'm not getting married. So I'm not getting married. Let us pray that we're not getting married today. And then after that, you guys. So good. So good. (laughs) Thank you. After that, there was a solid like minute long where I just, because I ended the song on my knees. The way that we choreographed it. Were you in a wedding dress? Yeah, I'm in a wedding dress. 
Uh, well, I'm in like a short wedding dress because it was we wore one costume the whole time, right. as you do for company. And I had a cardigan over it the rest of the time. And then I took it off for the, mm. and it's like this really short lace dress. And I am on my knees, hands and knees after that, because the last, like basically the chorus is threatening me is how we choreographed it. Like they're like kind of like coming at me and I'm like, um, and so I'm up like front, like touching the front row of the audience. I fall to my knees at one point and I'm like scooting away from them. And the song ends and I spend like 30 seconds on the ground as people are clapping going, And that's real. I'm like desperately trying to catch my breath because I'm also running around the stage. Like this one was a little bit chiller because I was sitting here, but like I am sprinting around the stage the way they choreographed it. I'm running away from the people. I'm running away from Paul who's following me around the stage. And then at the end, I'm literally just like, <gasps> and then I go, don't talk. And that's how I started it. Um, and the audience was like, <gasps> and I was like <laughs> so it was just like, my one of my favorite things I've ever done. I love every time I do a Sondheim, I'm like, this is my favorite thing I've ever done. Because it's like, it's almost like you get Stockholmed yeah. into it. You know, you're like, mm. you're hating yeah, yeah, your yeah, life. Yeah. You hate your life the whole time you're doing it. And then do you hear all the spit that I have in my mouth right now? <laughs> it's literally, that's what else I would do during- um, You're still trying to get off the rhythm too. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. No, I literally, I, you guys, you know how I was talking about that I did, um, like a lot, yes, sorry, I can hear it, uh, that I like take on my character. Yeah. Um, I have never talked faster. I was just like in my gen ed classes because this was while I was in college. I was in my gen ed classes like, yeah, and then anyway, I think that we should do this. And, a bit of an <laughs> and my professors, all of them hated it so much, especially my theater ones who would like, Oh, they my, were like, yeah. okay, so you have to do, I was doing like a Cassandra monologue from like classic Greek mythology, you know, at the time. And it's like this like horribly sad monologue. And I was just like, <laughs> my professor was like, please let it go. Please stop. Let it go. Stop. <laughs> um, but yeah, that was a whole, that was so crazy that it, it literally is Stockholm syndrome though, because you're hating your life. You're hating it. You're like, this is the worst thing I've ever done. I can't believe that I would do this to myself. Like what kind of stupid ass bitch am I being in a Sondheim? Like it's the hardest thing ever. <laughs> and then uh, opening night and you're like, wow, I've never been prouder. Do you have uh, just off the dome, any other like dream roles in Sondheim shows? Honestly, I've been so lucky. I've gotten to play um, the ones you, you both you of thought, my, yeah. Sondheim dream roles, which are Cinderella and um, Amy, but I'd love to do both again. Uh, especially Amy, I do feel like there's so much more that I have to that. Yeah, we're putting you in the movie version. <laughs> thank sure. you, thank yeah. you. And then Mrs. Lovett is my other. I, it's, mm. I was surprised you said you played Mrs. Lovett because, like, I would love to see that too. Like, I and I was curious if you. Yeah. Yeah. I, I was curious hey, if you would I'll, rather do Joanna or Mrs. Lovett. And Mrs. I was just Lovett. Like, so glad to hear you were in the Lovett case. Yeah. Like, yeah. Much more interesting. Yeah. Joanna is like a Rapunzel role, if that makes sense. Yeah. You know? yeah. There's even the, the line where they're like in the tower. Yeah. They say something like locked in your tower singing yeah. some, something in there. It's true. Ooh, okay. <laughs> I've caught everybody. my breath. <laughs> <laughs> that was incredible, Sam. Oh, thank Ooh. you. <laughs>